0: Really know how to start with you, so I'm just going to start. Okay. I'm going to cry at some point. I'm sorry, and you're welcome. How?
1: how like when when women cry, it makes makes me very uncomfortable. But that's all right.
0: I believe we evolved to cry because men are so bad at reading faces that we had to evolve. Yeah. To have they respond well to wetness. I guess, I don't know the biological basis for this.
1: Well, there's there's no avoiding, misreading tears, you know. Something's obviously wrong.
0: Like, God, I'm gonna micromanage. Okay. Um, that men couldn't figure out that we were upset. They can't see past, they can't see, I'm fine. They can't tell that that means I'm not fine. Right. So we evolved to cry.
1: That could be. Never thought of that, that's an interesting theory. This is,
0: this, Truly, I believe, is in many ways tantamount to most women's wedding day. What is? This conversation with you right now. Really? I've been dreaming about this my whole life. I've been wanting this my whole life. Um, I've been looking forward to this my whole life, huh. planning this. Um, I've never worked harder to look pretty. I, Jackson watched me... Put on five different shirts for you. Uh, Can say
1: this to every one of your guests. Never,
0: mm. <laughs> no. never. Okay.
2: Right.
0: Um, so your work is my father. Wow! Like you raised me. Your work undid all my dysfunctional programming. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Very, I'm very honored.
0: Everything very, I have, I believe I have because of you.
1: Wow. That's hard to live up to, something like so, saying that. It's
0: been a pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. <laughs> yeah. And we have a history. I tried yes. to get you on my talk show when that I was...
1: 2014, something around I that?
0: believe that was about 2014. Yeah. I did a talk show for E! Entertainment. I don't even know if that's still a company. It's an app or something, um, and I wanted to do a talk show uh, where I had amazing people. I wanted to do this. It was before yeah. podcasts were big, right? And they said, "Can you get Honey Boo Boo and Kim Kardashian?" And I said, "I
1: knew that was good. Going- I mean, it's the E channel. What do you expect?" I said, "I, I don't want Robert Greene." Someone Green. like me on the E channel—it's a bad fit.
0: And we emailed. We did. And
1: I was heartbroken.
0: I was heartbroken too, but you're the surgeon that mended my heart together.
1: I'm making a big deal of it, but I believe you didn't write back. But that's all right. (laughs) But I figured you were going through weird things.
0: But your book is why, um, and your work is why I got out of the relationship.
1: That's great.
0: And like integrated and healed the wounds.
1: Do you have like, Sarge Probe? Do you have like? I mean, that's what this is. Do you have other? This is a slightly a pattern. Have you I had. I knew
0: this would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would happen. I knew it would happen. Wow. My inner child was running the show at the time.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: And then what your work did for me was it helped my adult, help me be an adult and not have my inner child run the show and my um, character defects or the weapons and the maladaptive behaviors that I. Uh, had as a child run the show. Like I didn't need them anymore. That's you great. made me realize that. That's great. So that's why I'm, I always say like you're my real father.
1: Wow. What responsibility.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is this a lot for you?
1: It is a bit. It's a bit much, you know, because I'm just like, you know, um, I spent a long time without any success in my life. You know, up until shocking, yeah, not really. Um, and so I always have a part of me that feels a little bit kind of small and ground down by life and circumstances, because I it took me until I was like thirty-eight, thirty-nine before I had any kind of success. So I don't, you know, I have an ego as we all do, but there's a part of me that, that slight sense of an imposter or whatever you want to call it. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, a little bit, but I'm.
0: Wh- um, Wild. But isn't the fact that you didn't make until then why you made it so hard when you did make it? Didn't you need didn't didn't you need all that in order to be you?
1: Oh I think so. I think you're right. It's very very wise of you, yeah. Because uh,
0: Robert Green just called me wise. Well (laughs) um,
1: Yes, because if I had been given the opportunity to write the book ten years earlier, I wouldn't have been able to pull it off. I I needed a lot of really shitty experiences in order to write the Forty Eight Laws of Power and have a lot of anger and bitterness in me. So it just was like a cloud that gathers. It's so black. Suddenly mm-hmm. it's going to pour out. So that was me at the age of thirty nine.
0: This is such an interesting moment because with you, I can't get away with anything. This is what's happening with you.
1: It's it's a little bit. It's a little bit difficult sometimes because people think that I'm looking through you at every moment like I've got x-ray eyes that I'm seeing into your psyche and so that makes them very nervous and they have to be careful so they don't you know they're they very guarded around me
0: you know what and I'm having the opposite oh. I'm feeling I'm so like obsequious because I'm I'm surrendering to the fact that I know there's nothing I can do I mean I've read all these books and I I, I know all how to seduce you but I you know <laughs> You taught me how to. So, like, all I can do is be authentic because I can't pull anything off. I can't pull, okay. you know? So, That's there's good. this relief of just going, oh, the, the mask is off.
1: Okay. That's good.
0: There's something, like, I, I feel like I'm in a flow state with you. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I don't, feel the same way. I mean, I'm very relaxed.
0: I don't have to try to do anything because you'll see it.
1: Yeah. I'll see through it.
0: Yeah. So... In, you also taught me the biggest shift I've ever had in my life is understanding that body language is more important and behaviors are more important than verbal.
1: Most definitely.
0: I think that is maybe the biggest problem we have as human beings. Definitely.
1: We're so language-oriented. We think that when people we're, we're like conditioned to believe that people say something, there's sincerity and honesty behind it, when in fact, it's often the opposite. People are using words to disguise what they really feel. Mm-hmm. "Oh, you look great, your screenplay is wonderful, mm-hmm. you know you've lost so much weight. But do I look great? Yeah, <laughs> no, I was just joking about that. Um, so um, you know, and I've felt that way since I was a kid like. That sort of like was my spirit growing up, like because the adults around me seemed so insincere and hypocritical. Mm-hmm. They were always wearing a mask. Always, but the body doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. Words lie all the time, but your tone of voice doesn't lie. Your eyes, the how open they are, the how your skin moves up when you really smile or you don't smile. Your posture, and then your actions and your behavior. You can't lie with those things, and yet that's like. You're sitting there, and in front of you is the secret to understanding every single human being you encounter, and you're ignoring it. How stupid is that? Because you're just listening to people's words. You know,
0: there's nothing more important than what you just said. Mm. And this is not a joke. Is plastic surgery going to make that less potent? That was How a so? re- that was a real question. You That's, mean like because p- your face like is if so you get tight? Botox, yeah. If people start getting Botox, it's going to be harder to read faces. That's an interesting...
1: Well, you're going to be reading the Botox, and then you're going to be reading something else, like this person yes, is... is insecure, insecure in yeah. fear. Yeah, but that's that's a terrible look, the tightness in your skin where you can't... Your eyes don't crinkle when you're smiling, and your your skin is all I tight.
0: believe now that wrinkles are a sign of youth. Uh-huh, well, then I'm young. It's switched. <laughs> it is switched. So... You you and my horse are who taught me what reality that's is. That's the
1: best thing you ever said to me. Uh, that that's truly honored.
0: You and my horse are my teachers, basically. Um, in terms of underst leaving Because um, I had a very dyslexic view of the world. I are you thought dyslexic. I believe I'm mildly dyslexic. Um but I thought words were true. I just thought what people said, I thought things people said was the truth. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand that behavior was truth yet. Um, Is there, what's happening with my body language now? Like, what, have you ascertained anything from me since you've met me? Because I'm, I'm, I was so worried I was going to be unctuous with you Uh and like just like puke up compliments
1: well um all i noticed was when i first came in you were a little bit tense and nervous Mm -hmm. and you have like relaxed you have like kind of that's sort of gone a little bit
0: Mm -hmm.
1: no i'm wrong
0: no i think you're right
1: so like maybe since you cried or something something happened changed Mm -hmm. like you kind of let go of some of your defenses or whatever that's about it
0: and what is the difference between jealousy and envy
1: well, jealousy is usually, like, involving um, three people, like a triangle. So if, if we were in a relationship, which we're not, don't worry. Um, don't panic. And there's a third person there. Well,
0: and because your wife is also my hero, so it's, it's a right. wild—this is just a wild confluence of Okay. my dreams coming true.
1: So if there was a third person there in this triangle, and he— was making moves on you and you were kind of falling for him, I would be jealous of him. But envy is something larger than that. You don't just envy someone because somebody that you're interested in is interested in them. You envy their position, their power, their success, their good looks, and all of those things. It's not, it's not necessarily a triangular thing. Yeah. You can be envious of one person, Right. Not because there's a third person involved. I mean, it's a fine distinction. And in the English language, we use the words interchangeably. But I love the word envy because it has a really old um, mm. etymology. Mm. Um, you know, it comes from the word invidia, which means the evil eye in Latin. Wow. So, because envy has this something kind of something with the eyes when people are envious, it shows up in the eyes. So I like the word envy. But...
0: Is there a plan to download your brain into a computer? Not I'm not that. joking.
1: Not that I know of.
0: <laughs> should we? It'd be Lex, frightening. Lex uh, Friedman was on the podcast a couple weeks. Like he's, you know, does uh, the AI for Tesla, like, and is working on the Neuralink. Like, we should download your brain. Is this
1: real, or is this like?
0: Uh, are we in a simulation?
1: No, but I mean, is this a real thing? Yes. Really? I
0: think uh, it's like, going to be in our lifetime.
1: Oh, it's not yet, though.
0: Not yet, but you would be the first if. If
1: well, that would be—you know—what would be interesting about that? That would be like a form of immortality.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean.
1: Instead of being like Walt Disney and having your body frozen, that's right. You'd have your brain live on. That's of course, right. you wouldn't be conscious.
0: Because we need to download everything that's in your brain uh-huh. for infinity.
1: Oh God, I don't know if you'd want everything in my brain. That would be kind of
0: the hippocampus. I want the whole hippocampus <laughs> yeah. because all of the, you know. And I think that the reason you have unlocked my power. What your work does is it shifts all the things we've been told our weaknesses or actually are actually our strengths, yeah and you also you know women are told they play games and that they're um tricky yeah and
1: who doesn't play games? who isn't tricky?
0: Why wouldn't you? Yeah, you know it's just if you're going to just be the coach. If you're going to play games, just be the coach, I guess. Right. And that's you. And um, and that's just so fast. Because in The Art of Seduction, I remember, like, I started, I, I'm known for yelling on stage. I'm known for screaming on stage. I started talking less loudly when I read The Art of Seduction. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Well, maybe it's better that you yell on stage.
0: Well, I yelled because I wasn't heard as a child. Oh. And then I read your book, and it was like, oh, you let people come to you, and you talk quieter. Right, right. And when you're seducing someone. Wow. You want them to sort of lean in and have them come to you.
1: Sometimes I get the feeling that people like you know the books better than I do. I've kind of
0: Probably. Probably. (laughs) Probably. That's fair. Well, you know. Or is um, that, are you seducing me? That's exactly that. You're seducing me. That's such a seductive (laughs) thing to say. You're so charming. Should we be afraid of charm? Is charm a red flag in a person?
1: It depends on the person itself, Mm. Mm. you know, um. So there's charm where it depends on where it's coming from and from the individual. So Mm -hmm. the weird thing is that really malignant narcissists can be very charming, Mm. right? Yeah. Because they've learned from a very early age that this is the way to get power. This is the way to get attention. Mm. Narcissistic feed is by pretending that they're interested in in you and your ideas and your thoughts and your life. And they can be very good at. They're very good actors. Mm. Narcissists are consummate actors, which is part of their power. But it, it, there are people out there who are charmers who are have genuine empathy for other people. Mm. You know, and I talk in the art of seduction about that woman, Pamela Harriman. Right. She was, you know, someone who was a real people person. I hate that expression, but it's mm-hmm. true. She had genuine love for people, and she wanted to kind of give them what they needed. Or Benjamin Disraeli, I have the talk. I talk about him in that chapter, you know. He actually had a tremendous love for people, and he wanted to help boost their egos because he knew that's what they needed. They needed validation, and they needed recognition. So it depends on where you're coming from, which is the truth for all of my books. So people blame me for. All of the nasty, manipulative, psychopathic people in the world, they think that I've trained them to be like that through the 48 Laws of Power, The Art of Seduction. Sure. But you bring your own weaknesses and weirdness to my books, and they, they're kind of a mirror I hold up to you. Yeah. And, it, and for people who aren't like that, they use the, the book in a much different manner. So charm can be something very beautiful because there's so few people who are truly charming in the world, mm. right? Right. Yes, I think we like to be around people like that because they make us feel better about ourselves, but it just depends on how you come to it.
0: It's so interesting. Like I've heard. Like, do you feel like people blame you for powerful people being effective?
1: Well, you know, I don't get as much blame as I probably should. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What an amazing sentence. (laughs) What an amazing sentence.
1: Well, because when I wrote the book, I was expecting people to be really angry, like the pitchforks would come out, you know, but in fact, it's kind of the opposite. So sometimes I get mail email correspondence from people who say, look, my boyfriend used your book as a primer. He screwed me up and I hate your guts. Mm-hmm. You know, you should go to hell, rotten hell.
0: He would have done something else if it wasn't your book. Yeah. Of course. They
1: don't, people like that don't need my book. Yeah, they don't need it's your book. It's in books. their DNA. Like your father, did he need the 48 Laws of Power no. to be a psychopath? No. No. So it's no. in their DNA, right? But, you know, to
0: write a book— Your, book, your books probably saved her life, frankly. <laughs> he probably would have killed her if he didn't find your books.
1: <laughs> That's right. Oh, I see what you mean,
0: Yeah. But, you know, a lot of
1: women in particular found the book helping them recognize really um, kind of dark seducers. Yes. They understood that this is what this person is doing to me.
0: You have created the cliff notes in a way, the life hack. I hate that word. Um, (laughs) Oh, the worst. That's my people pleaser, life hack. I mean, that word hack is just so over you. It's so over you, It's hack a hack neat. A hack neat. And hack in comedy, you're a hack if you're unoriginal.
2: Uh huh. Yeah, that person's right, a right, hack.
0: Right. Like, I've, right. that's such a trigger word for me. Right. Um, but yeah, you gave us the manual to be able to identify predators mm-hmm. and vampires. Right. This helped dismantle um, the mirage this helped me stop being susceptible to what we call Christmas trees. What's that? Christmas trees is um, uh, something when you walk in a room and you're just, a Christmas tree is a person that lights up because they activate all your, they give you the perfect neurochemical cocktail of adrenaline and cortisol and dopamine and all the anxiety and the fears and the... um, uh, that yummy cocoon comfort zone that your primary caretakers caused you. So I used to walk in a room before I read your books and went to 12-step programs, and the most uh, uh, borderline personality, addict, n- malignant narcissist, zzz, zzz, I just they vibrated a different frequency. I would just walk in and go, zzz, 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 and that's, You'd be attracted to them. Mm-hmm when we're magnetically attracted to somebody because they're recreating, you know, they have the negative qualities of our primary caretakers.
1: Yeah. and a lot of strangely, if not a sexual energy is combined with those yes. early childhood wounds, which is very, I don't totally understand it. I mean, there are some very interesting thinkers who've written about that, and I don't, you know, I'm not one of them. But there's a lot of weird sexual energy connected to kind of malignant parents in our background, mm-hmm. you know, and it's why, you know, you could be, attracted to someone who's exactly the wrong type for you yes and you know it but you can't help it because you feel that physical attraction and then someone who's like an angel and a sweeter and who has none of those problems you're not attracted to them
0: and it's truly and my you know sponsor and Alanon says this is like <laughs> uh, I get bored and in my attachment exactly. I, I get bored so it's yeah. like I you know, need to chase the approval. Once I have your approval, I stop the neurochemicals that give me, that adrenaline turns into dopamine. So it's like if I'm not chasing you, I don't, quote, love you. You know, right. if I have your approval, I'm bored. Right. I don't need to fuck you. I've already ha- you know, and whatever primordial instinct that is, the biological basis of right. it is like, well, I probably already copulated with you, so I don't need to do it again. Right. And it's now about... Um. You did say something about getting you were like I get depressed sometimes. I mean, is it hard to know all this? It must be liberating and also kind of onerous to know everything you know.
1: Well, um, you know, I probably I don't get too depressed. Most of my depression now comes from my physical condition right now because I was somebody who was very f- physically active. Mm-hmm swimming and hiking and bicycling and then to wake up one day and it's all gone Mm -hmm. i've had to deal with that for two years now and it's given me a lot of you know bouts with depression and prior to that when i was younger before my success i would often get depressed and even suicidal Mm -hmm. but since i've had success that's pretty much been under control um the only thing is it gets a little lonely Mm -hmm. right so um you know, and that's the kind of the, the plight of a writer. Um, but I must say, it's I, I, I'm so blessed. And each time I have my... I, if I get depressed, I just go home and or I go into my office and I start working on my book. Mm. And I'm taken out of myself. The, the solution, the antidote to depression is to be taken out of yourself. Mm. Not to talk more about yourself mm. with a the therapist mm. or go deeper into your problems. It's to find a way to get out of yourself either through caring about another person or through your work, through your artwork, through your comedy, through whatever you create. And so I'm blessed that I continually have that.
0: And I wonder, that is um, probably why in 12-step programs, service is such a huge part of it, is that um, service keeps you sober, is doing something for someone else.
1: Right. Very much so
0: fascinating and did they just implicitly know that bill w who created the 12 steps i wonder if they just stumbled on that
1: well i think it's kind of elemental wisdom mm. i mean i don't you know and there's a lot of therapists and great writers who've written about that people like victor frankl mm. who wrote um, man's search for meaning which is a wonderful book mm. recommend Do you know that book
0: i know it but i haven't read it he was i only read your books I don't, really? I've never, like, I've maybe read, like, three other books. I'm fine. And I, and I was miserable the whole time.
1: You've read your book?
0: I've read my, I. I. you know what's interesting? I had a really, do you read your audiobooks?
1: I read one audiobook.
0: I had a really hard time reading my own book. I couldn't oh. read because I was too busy trying to improve it. I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I was beating myself up and my um, oh. chronic perfectionism came up so much. Oh, I,
2: you're a
1: chronic perfectionist? hmm that's a good quality.
0: You know, it served me pretty well. I think I'm finally at the point where it's benefited me. I, I keep it. Um, it's a maladaptive behavior that serves me really well. And I think I've gotten rid of the emotional perfectionism that is not serving me.
1: And the feeling of being abandoned and, uh, is like the worst feeling like you're going to die. You feel like you're you're. Choking on
0: yourself. And you might. You might die yeah. if you're abandoned, yes. like quite literally. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, historically, our monkey brain as if you were alone in a tribe thousands of years ago, you would die if you yeah. don't have people nearby. Yeah.
1: And so um, I think a lot of it is you're anticipating the end of something. Mm. And it's like um, what masochists do. Mm. They anticipate the pain that's coming they want the pain, and then they can sort of manage it that way. So I know the end is coming. I know this party will be over. I know this this experience. I'm in Paris. It'll be over in five days, and I'm back to LA. Mm. I know the end is coming. I
0: can't vacation. I'm miserable on vacation.
1: You are. Yep. Well, we have a lot in common. I know.
0: <laughs> 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 the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Um, I go on vacation. I think to me, the vacation is the planning of a vacation. Yeah. Um, the looking forward to something, but when I get there, it's just I'm disappointed.
1: <laughs> are you disappointed a lot in life, or in situations? Well,
0: nothing is ever going to live up to our imaginations. No. And I'm very grateful that I have a great imag- I have an amazing imagination. Are, are you kind
1: of romantic by nature? Do you have a kind of an idealistic I think I romanticizing have to, um, nature? I think Not in I, a bad way. I don't mean that negatively.
0: I think, no. I, um, I And even if you do, that's okay. So I will put people on pedestals and I will romanticize people. And I will fill in the blanks with my own projections of like what I had to do with my parents growing up. Of Like yeah. I had to fill in the blanks to yeah. make them heroes. Right, right, right. I'm a writer. Yes, you are. So I like write TV and comedy. So I will... Um, Make you I will make nonfiction fiction um to fit whatever will to fabricate whatever will soothe me and make me feel safe right, so I guess is that mean romantic? I don't
1: mean the word romantic it's it's more like you're idealizing things. you're kind of you're mad you're fantasizing a lot about what things should be, and then when you actually encounter them, you're sort of disappointed.
0: I've been like that most of my life. I think after now I'm in a radical acceptance and forgiveness. That's good. And everything is exactly third step and um, twelve step of everything is exactly as it should be, and there's no need to romanticize anything anymore. I think for me, romanticizing was a survival mechanism.
1: And you can control that.
0: Mm. I it took ten years of some brain reprogramming. Really? Like I think when we romanticize, that's a tool we use to self soothe. It's an anesthetic, and now that. I've largely gotten a lot of the things that I wanted and healed a lot of the invisible wounds that were causing me the pain, so I don't need to romanticize as much anymore. Okay.
1: Okay, well, I mean, I think I I tend to do that a lot. Mm. And I remember um about 15-16 years <laughs> ago, I was invited to London to give like a seminar on seduction at like the Soho House. Mm. And I was imagining all of these like English <laughs> rakes, dance Yes, yes,
0: no, I, see. And yes. Oh.
1: I was so excited <laughs> that this is gonna be this is gonna be like my book come to life and I just imagined it and I kinda totally and then I got there and I hope none of the people who were there are listening to this. I, doubt it. <laughs> I was so disappointed. They were the opposite of what I had thought they would be, what it would be like.
0: You know, it's so interesting you say that because, no, I do do that. Don't worry, we're still the same. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. Um, I, I do, like, I was doing, I was touring this past weekend and I was doing shows outdoors in Denver and in Connecticut and in New Jersey. And in my head, I painted this picture of it being outside, on, like Shakespeare in the Park. Like, <laughs> there was a stage and there was green and I showed up and it was a parking lot <laughs> yeah, yeah. and there was sh- dumpsters and human shit. <laughs> really? And people outside in masks distanced and cars were driving by. It was like at the corner of a freeway and cars were honking. All the people that didn't buy tickets to the show were honking at me and ruining the show, going, wait nay! And I'm like, you didn't buy tickets and now you're ruining the show you didn't come to. Wow. I feel relieved I don't feel disappointed I feel relieved I'm like oh, okay I knew it I was right okay it's almost like the Damocles sword isn't hanging it's fallen so I don't have to worry about the Damocles sword falling okay so I feel a little bit of relief instead of disappointment when someone disappoints me I'm like whew, the shoe dropped yeah now the shoe can't drop okay that's
1: interesting yeah, I don't know if I'm quite at that point yet. Maybe I need to go into your program. <laughs> <laughs> you're made more because you had a more messed up childhood than me.
2: You're, you're further advanced than
0: I am. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> alcoholic parents don't mean to brag, but <laughs> yeah. that is my big. You know,
1: for a writer, who could ask for better material? In your own childhood. I have such, I have,
0: I'm working on this theory that bad parents are the best parents.
1: Oh, they are. Because they
0: give you adversity and you're able, the people that I know that had like, quote, loving parents that were attuned to them are the, are messes.
1: So, you know, children are kind of magicians psychologically Mm -hmm. because when you're a child, you're so weak and you have to deal with your own weakness Mm -hmm. and your own vulnerabilities and children are very willful and strong in their own way. And so when they have parents who ignore them or who are abusive, they find a way to somehow compensate for mm-hmm. that. And their compensations often lead to being great artists, great political figures, great actors. actually, I mean, I've read millions of biographies for my books, and I can't tell you how every charismatic Powerful, successful person has had a terrible. Sorry, no. Has had a messed up childhood, right? You know, like Winston Churchill is sort of the classic example, or Kennedy, or people like that. Um,
0: the more deficient your parents are, the more proficient you become.
1: You have to compensate for it. You have to find other ways of dealing with this problem, and you you compensate in ways that over the weakness, the the wound, you build something kind of some sort of strength, and. People who've had parents who are coddling them, who are just so wonderful and loving, they grow up thinking that life is going to be like that, that they're entitled, they're privileged. Then they enter the work world and they're like bitch slapped by all the messy crap that comes out, and the manipulations. They don't know how to function. They don't have any internal str- skills or strength mm. because everyone was so loving and wonderful, and life wasn't like isn't like that at all. So I think it's a it's a blessing in disguise. If there is something missing in your in your rearing, now my mom is watching this interview. <laughs> so, mother, I that had
0: it. A... Thank you. If she what? is watching, no, thank no, no. you for what you've done.
1: Oh yeah, I had a wonderful childhood, but I was alone a lot, so that was me my, too.
0: Me too. It was know? an absence. Yeah, that's why I developed an imagination. Me too. And... Interesting, and you know. I never want anyone to feel sorry for me or pity me ever when I say, like, I grew up in an alcoholic home in a very dysfunctional home because it helped me at a very young age learn how observation that's what I do. I'm a comedian. I had to uh, be able to anticipate people's needs. I yeah. had to learn to read what someone was going to do, figure out what was about to happen. Yeah. And it helped me learn to shape shift. Yeah into this person needs me to be funny, this person needs me to be quiet, this person needs me to compliment them. Like walking on eggshells around narcissists really does help you develop the tools you need to be successful in the world. I agree. So we should, assholes should have more kids. (laughs) That's what's going to save the world. Good people, well-adjusted, secure people should not be procreating. Okay. Because those kids are going to be failures.
1: I, I think you're right. I think you're right.
0: I'm really worried that... <laughs> that's,
1: that's a really great way of putting it.
0: <laughs> I'm really worried that people that are, quote, good parents are going to ruin their children by loving them too much.
1: Yeah. Because children need to develop their own worlds, mm-hmm. their own fantasy world, their own mental life. And if if there's too much of the parent there where they don't have any distance from them, then they're not able to develop their independence and i think not being independent from your parents is the worst thing that can happen to you mm. you know i think you are that's a kind of wound you can never get over and i think that's what happens to a lot of people i know i'm thinking of certain examples in my head of people who had the most ideal parents and and people would say oh i wish that they had been my parents mm. right but then you look at the kids and all five of them are so messed
0: up so messed up yeah the the sickest people i know parents are to get married still what's that like they're still their parents are still married and love each other and i'm like oh no how traumatizing for you i mean that's that's what it is like you didn't get any tools in your tool your toolbox is empty yeah you know i left a very um chaotic you know uh primary caretaker environment Uh, That was bifurcated because they were, you know, obviously divorced uh, with a toolbox full of tools, full of every kind of dangerous situation I could possibly be. And I didn't quite know how to use them properly until I read your books and it all had had to congeal, you know, it all kind of had to, you know, make sense. Um, And. You're making me think a lot about, like cancel culture is such a gross, like it's just such a, like. Ugh. I, I just get a lot of negativity at me because I'm very triggering to people. Really? Yeah.
1: I think it's maybe because you're so smart and, you're, and you don't take bullshit. You kind of see through people a lot. And you're kind of, you've got that, that air about you, that edge.
0: I'd hate me if I was insecure. I'd be triggered by me if I was someone else. I'm like, and I think ambition on women is really unsettling to people. It is. Yeah. Ambitious is the dirtiest word you can call a woman. Yeah. It, it, it upsets people, I think, that I uh, am ambitious.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of um, men, not that I'm like Mr. Sensitive Guy here, but I think a lot of men need to go through a kind of a process, a mental process, mm. where you think, if I were having to put up with what women put up with, I would be so angry. It would drive me absolutely crazy to be continually judged by my appearance, to be sort of disdained for showing my ambition, for all the things that we kind of just take for granted. If you could just imagine for a moment what that would be like, you would really understand, you know, how, how horrible and how difficult it is and how it's pervasive and how you have to live with this every single day. But we don't. We don't think about that. We just sort of... Put our own world onto you when we imagine that, you know, everything is great. But that kind of stepping into into what it must feel like. You know, like when people, it doesn't happen because I'm a man, but if people like are judging me about my appearance or my clothes, it gives me the creepiest feeling. I hate it. I really, really hate it. Wow. Well, you know, I want to say, go fuck off. I don't care what I look like. I don't care if my hair is like this or I have a booger in my nose. I don't care.
0: That's all I care about. Yeah.
1: Well... If I had to go around thinking like that, it would drive me up a wall. Yeah. To constantly having that mirror put up to me about my looks. You know? So, anyway.
0: And it's not only that they do it to us, but you do
1: it to yourselves. Other women do it to me. Yeah.
0: And ourselves. Mm hmm. I do it to me. Yeah. I cat call myself. Really? Mm hmm. I walk by a mirror and I go, ugh. Or I go like good job, or I go like Oof, crow's feet. Yeah, you're getting jowls. No, no one's no one's nastier than me to myself. Mm, sorry. No, it's just an in, it's in, in and I have to go. Oh, I internalize this. Like whose voice is that? Yeah, you know that was was that. You know, my inner child. Uh, what she deduced because she wasn't getting the attention when she was younger. Right, right, right. It was like, oh, it's be- it's your fault. Yeah. You know, because that was the, it can't be the parents' fault because no. then it's too, that's too traumatizing to the psyche. I know. It has to be our fault. At least I can, at least I know what, the, yeah. what happened.
1: Yeah. a famous psychologist who analyzed that very in great depth, They called that the moral defense. Mm. And the idea that your parents mm. are at fault makes you very frightened because you depend on them for everything. So what you do is you find yourself at fault. That's your your defense of it. Like, I'm to blame if bad things happen. I'm to blame if they're beating me. I'm to blame if, you know.
0: If they're to blame, then it's too disorganized. It's too stressful if they have flaws. Yeah. Um, You changed my life uh, when I heard you say the single greatest human need is to be recognized. Mm -hmm. Why do so few people understand this? Why isn't this taught in schools? (sighs) Why isn't there a Robert Greene class in schools?
1: People want me to do that. I, I don't know, but... Um, it
0: should be taught in school. We, I learned stoichiometry. Why was there a chemistry class?
1: What is stoichiometry?
0: It's in... Um, in uh, it's like fake equations in chemistry. I don't know. It's when you oh. add elements together. Well,
1: look at what it got, brought you.
0: That's a good point. Um, <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> well, like, y- you know, um, if, if you could just think about yourself for a moment... You would under- love to <laughs> it 's my
0: favorite thing to do um,
1: you would understand this, so you yourself want people to recognize you. you want attention, you love it when you hear you 're in a crowd and you hear someone say your name, mm. your ears immediately go there it 's the narcissist in all of us, right. You want attention. You crave it. You craved it since you were four, three years old from your parents, from that moment when your parents started to put some distance between you and them, when you were being weaned, etc. Mm. How do I get attention? I need it from my siblings, from my parents, from my teachers. You want recognition. But can't you make the step and understand that that's what other people want? Mm. That's what they want to feel validated. They want to feel the light shining on them. And so instead of always trying to be—
0: That's why I let you sit in my chair today.
1: <laughs> the, is this your chair?
0: This is normally where I sit. I'm sitting normally where the guest sits. Wow. This is the first time I've ever done this. Role reversal. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm very honored. Thank you. It is very comfortable, actually. Good. I like it. Good. Um, so, you know, it, it's like it's like a, a, a key that you possess for getting people to like you, and there's nothing wrong with getting people to like you. We think, oh, that's so yucky and insincere, and that's mm-hmm. just bullshit. You want people to like you. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to finance your film, you're trying to get people interested in your ideas, if you're trying to get any kind of success... Get them to life, not kill you. Get them to not kill you, etc. So you have to have that power and that ability, and that's the golden key, is understanding that they want attention, they want validation, they want recognition. Instead of thinking about how you are going to get it, if you just put your energy and your... Your mirror neurons into them and thinking mm. about what they're, how they're thinking, you'll unlock so many amazing things, so many powers of persuasion and influence.
0: When we try to get someone to like us, all we do is think about how we are going to present ourselves to them. How am I going to get you to like me? Just ask them questions about themselves. Yeah. Just focus on them, not us. Yeah. I wonder what the biological basis for that is. I mean, it must be just to... The
1: biological basis for what?
0: For... Not being able to just put for the in the you know uh, cliche sense yourself in someone else's shoes to not be able to make that jump to <laughs> why wouldn't other people want the same thing we I want probably because we can't even there's some shame in accepting that we want validation there is so much shame about saying I want I want you to like me right there's shame there isn't that interesting right we want to go like I don't care what people fucking think of me well you do. I would now like to take a break in our regular scheduled. What is it? Regularly scheduled programming.
3: Should I have a cigarette?
0: <laughs> no, I'm not pregnant. Um, lots of announcements that we need to make. We're going to be at the Midway in San Francisco, November seventh and eighth, at the Midway outside. Distance, no COVID, pandemic free.
3: In San Fran,
0: with Taylor Tomlinson, great, brilliant young comedian who I'm jealous of.
3: Yeah. She has bangs and
0: She has bangs. I had bangs at that age too.
3: Me too. Because
0: I was too because I, I couldn't afford Botox and I thought getting bangs would cover up the wrinkles on my forehead. I love her bangs. Yeah, they're amazing. <sighs> I'm feeling very healthy, Benton. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good segue into talking about HelloFresh? there's no good way to do these ads like there's no way to do this i'm feeling very healthy yeah (laughs) i'm just so healthy i just do i feel i just feel like the pandemic is a nightmare i know it's a nightmare but the silver lining is that
3: everything can be delivered to your home
0: i mean i feel like this is the we're in the great reorganization we're in the great shift healthy food just shows up at your house now
3: only you'd want to organize during this time
0: (laughs) i'm obsessed with hellofresh Someone just broke into my house. Maybe it was someone, maybe it was the HelloFresh delivery person. <laughs> I hope it was HelloFresh
3: because I would like to make some meals. HelloFresh Me- is America's number one meal delivery kit. Yeah. Did you know that?
0: Yes, I did know that. They
3: deliver right to your door, fresh ingredients, pre measured, all spaced out, chopped out, ready to go.
0: The craziest thing is that this is written on a screen in front of us, but Benton's not reading it off the screen. You're just saying that. Because
3: I used it. I've Are been using HelloFresh for years. I know. I really enjoy it. Recently, but made a, a maple cook. mustard chicken uh, leg wing, we- leg. It was, leg. it was a leg. And it was delicious. There was potatoes. There was green beans.
0: But to explain to people that are listening that are, like, trying to fast-forward through the ads what that even means.
3: What that means? It means they sent me a box full of delicious meals. i if, if you're
0: listening to this podcast, you're a podcast listener, and you hear ads all the time. HelloFresh. I've heard that on a lot of other podcasts. Why should they order today, Benton?
3: Well, hopefully because you trust and believe in us.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And also and we because don't f- it's so easy easy that's i it. literally easy. made tuscan you know chicken why? bacon filled ravioli did you know that existed
0: stop letting grocery store lines steal your life that's what it is cooking takes your serenity in your life
3: it's not even about that hello fresh. cooking is fun okay oh. that's the whole point of hello fresh oh sorry it's a great time and they make sorry, it very really easy a feminist in your do life. you know what sucks what Prepping, cooking. Yes, I don't have a team like Rachel Way to put salt in bowls for me. (laughs) I have to do it all myself, and I do do that. And HelloFresh, they do it for me.
0: Yes, they do it. it Feels like
3: I'm walking into my own studio kitchen.
0: Handled. It's like the new. It's like the better version of Lunchables. Yeah, I make Lunchables.
3: I make that delicious food. I eat it, and then I break the plates and throw them away because I'm not doing a dish. A dish. I'm not doing a dish. The one I own. (laughs) That's all I can afford. Go to hellofresh.com slash 90 and use code good for you 90 to get a total of $90
0: off. There
3: you go. I including free shipping. That's hellofresh.com slash good for you 90 and use code good for you 90 to get a total of $90 off, including free shipping.
0: Exclamation point.
3: Exclamation point. <laughs> We're going to talk about Manscaped. You know a lot about balls. Tell us about this brand. <laughs>
0: what do you why do i know a lot about balls
3: you play basketball baseball (laughs) with men
0: (laughs) look i love men and i there's this i don't know i guess there i have this reputation for being like a man hater which is so untrue because in a lot of my stand-up specials i've talked about like how balls look unnecessarily old i did i used to do a joke that said why do all balls look like they're a 100 years old that was in my first You figure it out was that my first special that. Maybe I was da- well. I was also dating guys that were 100 years old. so Maybe that was why. <laughs> um, and then I said they look like an elephant ear dried apricots. Like I had a whole run on how ugly balls are, and I feel bad about that because it's ball shaming. Yeah,
3: poor. Like I was a,
0: I was a ball shamer, and because I think at the time, like there was no companies that were making products to even give men the opportunity to fix that problem. So it was just, I, I regret doing that and I'm, I'd like to make a public apology. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making a public apology to all the men that I felt offended and insecure. I would like
3: to make a public apology to Manscaped for taking this long to mention that you're the ad we're talking about. <laughs> so we are talking about Manscaped because they have figured this out. Yes. They have a crop care kit which mm-hmm. is formulated, it's a formulated bundle to give you A plus
0: balls. Did you know
3: that was even an option? <laughs>
0: Stop A plus, having D-minus balls. A-plus for have, your B. I I have D-plus boobs, but you don't want D-minus balls. You want A-plus balls, and Manscaped is going to get you there. This, this crop company, care kit includes... I'm just saying, but we have to just... The ad
3: is on. not about that.
0: Hold on. Oh, the ad's not about... You keep talking
3: about it. That's it's okay. It's never been about it. I don't
0: care. <laughs> I'm doing this for me.
3: But don't you think they might want you to mention this?
0: Yeah. Okay. If they decide to pull this ad, that's fine. Fine. I'll be fine. We'll be okay. We. (laughs) Um. I'm just saying I appreciate that there's a company that is giving men the opportunity to clean up the um, swamp that is their balls in a way that's not emasculating. To be
3: fair, this is what you would shave your balls with. This okay. very precise detail. This, oh, that yeah. would be oh, you. Because
0: I'm holding the nose hair trimmer, which I use for myself as well, because I have an asymmetrical nose, but that's for another story um the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin safe technology helps reduce grooming accidents water it's waterproof
3: waterproof it has a light on you it you can
0: do this it has a light in the shower Th- so this is how you shave your balls manscaped
3: your balls your butt and your body
0: Butthole hole and your body
3: they just wrote butt but yeah <laughs> i guess you could shave that part too yeah
0: no you have to i mean that's that happens that's real Vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free. Love it so much. You are free.
3: The products that she's talking about that are all those things. (laughs) Obviously, the lawnmower is all those things. Yeah. But also, the crop care kit includes ball deodorant, ball reviver, a body wash, um, ball wipes, a foot deodorant.
0: Also, dude, just the packaging is so sexy.
3: Yeah, it is very because i just
0: feel like men can't buy products for their to clean their balls and scrotum dick what do you call all of it your package i don't talk about it okay <laughs> you're triggered because it's always like pink and sparkly and like it's made for women they don't make pro-
3: they, the ball products are made for women normally I'm just <laughs> I don't see where, where are you shopping
0: Okay get 20% off and free shipping at manscape.com promo code whitney add some swag to your saggy bag Guys guys buy this for yourselves uh you won't be embarrassed to have this all over your bathroom and women buy this as a gift for your man This is a great gift yeah, for it your Yeah buy for man. your
3: preacher the santa in the mall your next door buy it neighbor. for your dad. This is a yeah, great Yeah, buy g- it for your grandpa. His, his balls are gross. So. His father's
0: day coming up. <laughs> you have a
3: male babysitter? He probably needs it.
0: You made me realize that's right. My greatest need is to be recognized. I'm a stand-up comedian. I became a comedian to control how I was embarrassed. Right. Because that's my greatest fear. Right. I'm just going to control it. And to make sure I'm always being recognized and seen. Right. Invisible.
1: And there should be no shame about that.
0: And it's interesting because you would think that social media is sort of going to fix that.
1: It doesn't, though. It doesn't, Because you're
0: not seen in the right way, right? Or you're not seen enough. It just creates this next insatiable. Am I seen enough?
1: Well, getting Something. a like on Instagram isn't isn't really recognition. Isn't really about because it's so cheap. Mm. All it is, you press a button. No one sees you. You're not talking to them. There's no kind of verbal or physical feedback, Mm. it's cheap. And so it doesn't, it leads to just an addiction. It's like a little tiny hit.
0: It's one too many, a million, not enough.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, but um, there's a lot of shame attached around things that have to do with human nature, Mm. which is sort of a big problem for us. Mm. So the idea of ambition, the idea of wanting power, Mm. the idea of wanting to be recognized you know to have attention there's so much negativity surrounding that so when people people have to be so inauthentic about it Mm. they have to pretend that they're not really interested in power they're not really interested in attention you know they're just these like saints walking around kind of
0: things but pretending never works like to me I feel like I learned from you like everyone knows everything right even if they don't know they know it they know if they're not connected to their gut about you so it's like Wearing the mask never works, so why do we keep doing it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's not even being rewarded necessarily. Like being inauthentic and pretending and being fake. Everyone knows on some level that there's an incongruence between who, what you, who you're pretending to be and who you are, yet we just keep doing it. We, kept, we continue to be full of shit. But your work helped me with the shift of like, oh, you're pretending you're wearing this mask to get the things that you want. In reality, you're only going to get them if you stop trying. If you chase something, you chase it away. Right.
1: Yeah, I couldn't say it any better. (laughs) (laughs) You finally silenced me.
0: That's my dream. (laughs) Uh Um, You know, cancel culture, I'm fascinated because I like to compare it to the Roman Colosseum.
1: How so? That's interesting.
0: Like, we just have this primal need to the schadenfreude, which you, you know, talk about at length. Um, We enjoy watching other people go down, suffer, because either it's not us or we're getting the primal reward for learning what ostracizes people so that, you know, we were like evolved to... Like what? Like when you want to see a car, you gotta look at a car crash. You gotta look at a car crash. You can't not look at a car crash. Yeah. And I think that's part of our uh, dopamine reward system, rewarding us to educate ourselves on plight.
1: I don't know if it's if I'm what I'm saying is any different from that. But the way I look at it is, um, we're so repressed socially. Mm. We have to pretend to be these saints, these virtuous people from a very early age, since you know we're. Enter school, or even in our families, and so um, we're continually presenting this kind of saintly mask, so that that dark side that I have a chapter on in, in my book here, it gets deeply repressed. Mm-hmm. But everybody has a dark side, myself mm-hmm. included, and so you want to have it's like a it's like a pit bull inside you. You want to be able to walk it out in public mm. and get it out for a walk and get to pee and poop and do all its things outside. But so. Cancel culture or rage on the internet or trolling, these are all ways but people can get out their dark side. Mm-hmm. It's their shadows that get to speak. So they get they get some that hostility, that kind of fuck you kind of energy, that bitchiness that they have to repress so much. Mm. Here's a socially sanctioned way to get out to get it out. You know, to be and to pretend that you're being virtuous and political at the same time. Right?
0: Did you name your shadow? Did you ever do that exercise where you have to name your shadow and, like, be friends with it? Sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I even have that in the book. I name your shadow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are any secrets worth keeping? Like, should we keep some secrets?
1: From yourself or from others?
0: (laughs) My brain just exploded. (laughs) Just all blood everywhere. Vultures flying. Um,
1: Well, because... There are a lot of secrets that we don't even want to admit to ourselves, you know. And sometimes you need illusions about yourself that are healthy. Mm -hmm. So if you knew all of the truth about your own motives, Mm -hmm. it would probably really depress the hell out of you and you'd kill yourself. right? So it's good to have...
0: denial. is that the same? Like, I know that in my family there was sexual abuse in children. And I think a lot of us just, it's like... It's just in a box.
1: You mean in your family? Mm-hmm. How many siblings did you have?
0: Uh, it's an endless number of illegitimate ones. It's a West Virginia. I, yeah, have a... Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, yes. I don't mean to. No. West Virginia, oh. <laughs> I, okay. Since you said that, and I'm happy to bring it up, I made jokes about uh, being my ancestry being from West Virginia on a talk show about a year ago. Um, and I had to go to West Virginia and apologize. Oh, really? Because West and the joke was about how our the ancestral trauma of being from West Virginia and the coal mining in my family. Uh, we are um, so and basically being barefooted in hollers in the because the terrain of West Virginia hollers hollers <laughs> hollow. But we could say holler. Um, we had to. I mean, the Hatfields and the McCoys. Like I, that's that's the type of resilient great. honey badger shit i come from wow and so of course the so same envious i f- i have that scotch irish it's our vikings really scotch irish were kind of our vikings in a way right
1: i guess hmm
0: maybe i'll get canceled for this this might be my <laughs> cancel moment but i do think like do we do you think I have a little theory going that has no scientific basis whatsoever that this surge of cancel culture that just happened in the pandemic. Of course, I'm sure the the pandemic amplified it, people being stuck in their homes, people on their phones more, of course, but also the absence of sports. Like when sports went away, did we sort of have to transmute what we were normally getting that fix? Through sports.
1: Never thought of that. I mean, I'm somebody who loves sports and I know that I went through massive withdrawal symptoms. Mm. You know, because May was a time for Lakers. Yeah. Getting all revved up and getting my testosterone yes it was nothing.
0: And that's in had, sport your love of sports it's testosterone, but it's also the primal tribal pitting against each other, yeah. my team winning losing.
1: Yeah. But, so you're thinking, like, men? Because I don't know if women went through that, or am I being sexist? That's a great sexist? point. No. Um,
0: Biology is sexist. It's <laughs> yeah. not you. Yeah. Um, but Interesting. So you're right.
1: So that was, like, that led to cancel culture? I don't I quite was get the just-
0: to- no, I, it's 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 not a. It doesn't hold a lot of water. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's one thing but, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure about.
0: <laughs> but i look. I'm pitching chapters for your net. <laughs> the sublime. There's okay. no, so this was not sublime. Fair enough. Okay. We'll no, on but on. I do. I'm. I'm. There's this um, event called Calcio Storico in Italy every year. Calcio. Calcio Storico. Calcio. It's MMA. Calcio. Yes, I do not. I do not speak good Italian. I just hosted a podcast on Silvio Berlusconi, and I had to have a. Oh. On Servio, how fast. I did, yeah, I did. Who the, did you interview? Um, it was it was for Wondery, and it was I narrated the. Uh, What's Wondery? Wondery is a podcast network that does. They did this thing called Dirty John, which is about this uh, guy that was a con artist. Who? Oh, I love it! Uh, and then it was so, so it was like a ten episodes, and it was like a documentary series about Silvio Berlusconi. I narrated it. Wow! I know he's amazing. What a character! Fascinating, fascinating. Another
1: Donald Trump father figure. For truly,
0: you. truly, and Putin. He's really good friends with Putin, oh, yeah. and you know, you know, can I tell you something that might interest you?
2: Yeah,
0: I had some Russian movers at my house recently,
2: uh-huh.
0: and uh, I was like, "Where are you guys from?" They said Russia, and I was like, "Can I ask you about?" Um, Vladimir Putin and they were like who's asking and I was like no 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 bias no I'm not a t- I don't think you've you know I'm not blaming you for right, the fall right. of democracy don't worry. like I'm biased I'm neutral like I'm a comedian I'm an anthropologist I'm not going to be emotional about it what do you guys think of Vladimir Putin I'm just so curious right how would I know and he goes two guys they go oh well we all fully believe that the Vladimir Putin that we see in the media is an actor with plastic surgery that was given plastic surgery to like, they all believe that over there. Like, it's not even a. Are
1: you sure about that? It's not like two weird guys. These
0: were Russian movers. I mean, take it with a grain of salt. But he but that's what's the word on the street is they all go, oh, well, it's not really him. Like they have sort of all accepted that it's an actor. uh... That's
1: what happens from living so many years in Russia in the Soviet (laughs) Union where you don't have no connection to reality anymore and you believe anything because your life is so filled with misinformation.
0: But it's also, it's also...
1: I, I could show you photographs on my iPhone with Putin. He's real. He's not He's not an actor. Mm-hmm. He's there. I have people who've met him. We've talked to him. But
0: I mean, he's still alive, but there's someone that looks younger that had plastic surgery that's like his double. Oh, come on. I know. People watch too many movies. Remember Dave? Remember the movie Dave? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like that. And uh, it fed into my, uh, the conspiracy theory for me because there was some Polish leader who died in a plane crash and his twin took over for a while, his twin brother. And so I was like, that is so fascinating to me. Yeah, because also Vladimir Putin. There's that video of him doing
1: horseback riding with out a shirt on.
0: Yes, in taekwondo, and there's all these people that he's fighting with that are acting like he's beating them, but yeah. he's not
1: yeah, but that's him.
0: So he does create this surreality sure, he's anyway playing, He's
1: playing ice hockey and making goals left right And
0: everyone's like he's in the Truman Show. I mean, everyone's pretending, yeah. you know So Calcio storico calcio. Calcio Calcio storico, it's in Florence. it's um, bare knuckle boxing, yeah. meets football and it's basically MMA. I mean, it's MMA mixed with football wow. and it happens once a year. And there's, the only rule is no two-on-one. The only rule is no two-on-one. These are not professional athletes. These are butchers, mm-hmm. lawyers, doctors, and yeah. the teams are... Yeah, they don't look like professional yeah, athletes. <laughs> <laughs> they look like me. Well, I'm not that bad. And they do train, yeah. you know. They train, and it's... it's. Well, a, we
1: scored half a point, yeah.
0: And it's scoring a point is almost impossible in this game because you, I mean, you're the point is to just
1: beat the shit out of everyone That's right. get out your That's right. your testosterone
0: and it's the teams are neighborhoods oh so it's yeah, especially tribal and a lot of it is brothers against brothers and fathers against sons wow and they, it go. I believe the um, quarters are like an hour. This goes on for like three days. Are
1: people like getting concussions?
0: People are just dying. being pulled off the field constantly. So if you just keep watching, like they just get pulled off, pulled off.
1: It's like rollerball. Have you ever seen the movie Rollerball? Yes, it's
0: exactly what it is. But when this happens in June in Florence, violence goes down to almost zero. Oh wow! So it's just like an interesting. Yeah. That's not catharsis, but it's. Yeah. Like they channel. All, so I oh, I want to make a documentary on this. And I think someone's already done it. Um, but uh, I could never just like get over there when it happened.
1: You've not seen one of these?
0: No, I want to go so bad. It happens in June. Um, but so I was thinking when all of the when the cancel culture got worse, I was like, oh, I wonder what was taken away.
1: Oh, you mean Calcio Historico was probably not was canceled as well?
0: No, I was at, like, cancel culture. Like, when sports went away, I was like, maybe that's part of why cancel culture went up. Or is this, are we just in a cleansing? Are we in a, like, a reorganization, like, a, of what's appropriate? You know, we're we going through a mass shaming. That's you, kind of what...
1: Do you mean, like, around the whole... Um, the whole Black Lives movement stuff. That, like
0: cancel culture, like comedians making offensive jokes 10 years ago. We canceled. Oh, right. John right. Wayne was homophobic. Oh, like,
1: God, yeah. Of yeah, course right, he was.
0: Right, right, right. What are you talking about?
1: Right. Yeah, I see what you're
0: saying. Like our addiction to outrage.
1: Wow, look at that. Yeah, look I see at what this. you're saying. this. amazing. Now so I understand. Amazing. I didn't understand before.
0: Yes, I, I think I gave, oh, the video?
1: No, 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 no. I didn't understand your cancel culture thing, but now you're talking about it. I understand it. Wow.
0: Isn't this amazing?
1: And look at the referee's outfit. He's like from the fifteenth
0: century. Oh yeah, they all dress like Lemony Snicket or whatever this <laughs> is. They dress like jou- like um court jesters or something. Wow. It's so amazing. And then if you Whoa you pl- it's no, it's incr it's incredibly violent
1: yeah i mean that would work well here with like the proud boys <laughs> and the boogaloo guys and yeah versus antifa this would, instead of having it out in street support I and have it just, in couch storico at
0: the, yep truly yeah because this may be happening in november so i'm just <laughs> you mean you
1: might be going there no oh, I mean, oh here here yeah, yeah yeah
0: in the united states yeah. and it's very except with guns um what is your day like how do you spend your day
1: I don't know if people want to know that because it's so radically boring. Um, so I exercise every morning. You know, I I do either my bike ride. Are
0: you able to sleep? Yeah. Your brain's able to shut off.
1: Well, if you take a lot of CBD oil. <laughs> okay,
0: melatonin yeah. Melatonin. No, I've spent my whole life and, uh, um, on sleeping pills. So. CBD
1: oil is a wonder.
0: Really? Oh, my God. Really? It's wonderful. It doesn't seem hardcore enough for me, but.
1: I can get, I can hook you up with the really, really? pure stuff. Yeah, makes me sleep really now well. While we're talking, um, but yeah, I sleep. But so basically, I'm just exercising and I'm doing my, like I do two hours of physical therapy every morning because mm. I'm, you know, I just really want to get over this. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, after lunch, after my nap, yeah, I get to writing, and it's like my only, it's what I look forward to all day. And you do
0: it on a computer.
1: Well, I can't. I can't type. Right. So I, I handwrite, and I, dict, I have a dictation software. This is really interesting, I'm sure. It
0: No, it is. No, but you all are right. easily one of the greatest minds to ever live, and your rituals is fascinating.
1: Um, all right, so I have lunch, I have my tea, I take my nap, I then go into my office or onto my patio, and I either handwrite or—I'm writing the book now instead of the research.
0: And you know, like, do you get haunted by your— um own brain like it must assault you it must assault your attention in terms of like you know or you're like ah oh, fuck i just saw that thing and i have to write it down you know
1: oh yeah yeah it's it's also as i'm getting a little bit older and slower like even in this conversation oh i want to remember that i can't remember things that happened a minute ago me
0: too yeah
1: so i have great ideas came to me in the shower which is usually often where they come. Interesting. And I don't remember them, so now I have to have my notebook in the in the bathroom.
0: And it drives me nuts, and I and I never know because I'm. All, there's a little thing we say in comedy where it's like if it's funny, you'll remember it, you know? Because you're like, I That's forgot true. that.
1: That's true. That is. Uh, there's some wisdom in that. Um, not that I keep saying that there's so much wisdom in you, but uh, it is a recurring theme here. But an idea that that you, you seem to forget it'll come back if it was really worth it. So I've learned that as well. You know, it doesn't, like, the most brilliant idea for one of my books didn't just go down the drain. it eventually come back to you. But, yeah, I'm, I don't know what you mean if I'm haunted by my own Like, do
0: I just, I would imagine your brain is like, oh, I have this idea, I have this idea. Like, is it, you know, can you sort of control when you're inspired? Can you, you know, you can basically work when you're working and not work when you're not working? I get you. Can you be present as Robert Greene, just the human being, are you—because I, I think—I mean, I'm a comedian. It's different. I guess it's my job. I, I'm i just always working.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, It's hard to relax. It's hard to get out of that mode, particularly when I'm building up steam. So imagine for me, like that book took four or five, five years to write. Wow. So you've been researching, literally read over 300 books for that. You've got everything organized. Mm-hmm. And then you start writing it. And then, as you get deeper and deeper into it, it's all you think about. Your brain mm. is like pickled in this fucking yeah. stuff. That's all you can think about, yeah. and it's good because ideas will come to you left, right, and center. But you can't turn it off. So I knew I know what you mean now. Yeah, that's true.
0: Is love real? Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, as real as anything is real. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> <you know. laughs> we're in a simulation. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. Do You say I love you. Hmm?
0: You say, do you say I love you
2: to
1: my wife?
0: Yeah. Like yeah, when probably. did you when did you say it, and how did you know you loved her?
1: I probably don't say it often enough. But um, it's your.
0: But she knows it's you, so she. Your behavior is what's telling. My yeah, behavior.
1: I, as I say in the article. you don't need to say
0: it. Yeah. You
1: don't want to use those words. You want to prove it to the other person. Of course, it doesn't work so well with women all the time.
0: <laughs> well, what I do now, <laughs> being your student, yeah. is. If a guy wants to say I love you, I would go, no, 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 I'll tell you when you love me.
1: Right. You don't need to tell me. Well, a guy unsoliciting take, saying I, I love you is sometimes fishy. not the best thing. It's very fishy. Yeah. Particularly if it happens very quickly. Yeah. If it's like the third date and he's saying I love you, something's up, something smells, yeah, fishy.
0: No, when right a guy right. says, yeah, no, I had a guy say I love you to me, like, quickly, and it was just like, no, don't, don't do that. Don't, no, what? Okay, call your mom. Work it out. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'll tell you when you love me. Yeah. I'll know.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's a feeling. It's not a word, right? Mm-hmm. Our, our words, we're so verbally oriented that we think words are like magic. But it's it's an emotion that you feel. It's not just like some thing out there that exists like has an objective reality Mm -hmm. it's a feeling it's an emotion and you know it when the other person loves you right you can feel it Mm -hmm. you sense it in their behavior right so saying it is often a form of manipulation Mm -hmm. not always because sometimes particularly if the other person is depressed or they're feeling unloved Mm -hmm. and you and they need to hear it then i understand that Mm -hmm. you know I mean, what I've learned in my books, but I've also learned in life in general, is to really forgive people for their, for their flaws and their and their problems. So if somebody needs to hear those words, I understand that. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. You should yeah. feel ashamed. And I'm not trying to shame you. Yeah. But it's better to just prove it to them in some way.
0: It's also, yeah, and it's like no one wants to be flawed. It took me so long to figure that out. It's like why I say radically forgive your parents because they did the best they could with the tools they got. No one wakes up and is like, I'm going to be a shitty parent. Like my parents probably did better than they were capable of. They tried so hard to to be good. It's just their version of good parents was very whatever it was. So it I have such radical compassion, forgiveness when people are flawed because no one wants to be flawed. Right. We should have sympathy for people that are flawed.
1: Right. Right.
0: We should pity people that are flawed. Right. But instead, our ego, I guess, gets involved and we well, do it personally. I mean, we maybe, think we're narcissists, you, so we think they're flawed because of us.
1: Well, the other thing is, do you think that you're not flawed? You know, I'm flawed. I have tremendous issues and problems and weaknesses and vulnerabilities. So, and I understand Do you that.
0: ever talk about them?
1: With a therapist, yeah, or.
0: You're a ther- You have a therapist. No, you no. Imagine being no, Robert no. Green. Is it Phil Studs? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> It is? <laughs> I have gone to him.
0: <laughs> is it Barry or Phil?
1: He's amazing.
0: He's amazing. Have you been to Phil? I I read the tools, yeah. which is it's I've recommended it before. It's good. It's it's a little bit jv in some parts. It's a little bit elementary, but there are some amazing exercises, the fear bed, the death bed exercise mm-hmm. and the reversal of desire. Yeah. Stuff I love. I'm a fan of Phil. I wasn't famous enough to get into Phil. I've been to
1: I only went like 3 times 10
0: years ago. I couldn't get in.
1: Yeah, that's. I was there about twelve years, eleven years ago. The thing is, he's got he's has an illness. Mm. I I hope he's still alive. He he had um like fibromyalgia or Epstein's bar. He was so tired all the time, and then he just stopped seeing people. Ugh. He would have continued seeing me, but I had to schlep all the way to the West Side, I think, he's
0: amazing. I think Barry is his sort of protege. Barry, Michael? Barry Michaels.
1: Yeah, I know like his son. His son's great. Wow. Jesse.
0: Yes, he's who I learned to name my shadow from, Barry. He Barry? Has, yeah, he has You name your shadow. Wow. If Jesse's going to hear this on the pod, he's going to be really happy. In, and the way this podcast is going to change so many people's lives, um, Phil Stutz on a podcast changed my life uh, by saying... Um, when you admit your fears and insecurities and uh, shame, something you're ashamed of, grace enters the room, which is what 12 step program meetings do. You say, I want a drink. I cheated. I'm a piece of shit. Like, you're able to have grace because you release your shame. Yeah. He just, I heard it the, right when I needed to hear it, and like everything clicked. And yeah. it went, You're only as sick as the secrets you keep. You're yeah. ashamed. If you're insecure, just say it out loud.
1: Well, you're great because. As a comedian, and the way you do it, you're able to get all of that out in your persona that you express to people. That's great therapy.
0: And you give people permission to do it too. They go, "Oh, like yeah. I, my career is saying all the things out loud that most people would keep secret. Right. That's all just what I do for a living. Right. I just say, like, I got breast implants." <laughs> The thing everyone pretends, to, you know what I mean? I had an eating disorder. Like, oh. I just say all the things that most people are not supposed to say. Right. I mean, it's. I have Tourette's. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, there. It, it upsets people a lot. So he,
1: it's interesting because you found your way to the perfect career or profession for that. that's like therapy for you that, that you're able to get i exercise all of your demons. That's what I mean, like how children are brilliant at compensating. You found your way to the perfect way of, of externalizing everything that's inside of you and getting recognized for it and giving a living and getting some of your ya-ya's
0: out. And it's service, yeah. which is the stepping outside of yourself thing. Yeah. So for me, I, I said the book that I wrote was basically – uh, my fourth step, I published my fourth step, and that's like service. And service is the thing that keeps us emotionally mm-hmm. sort of sober. Oh, you
1: need to do another book.
0: I'd, I'd, I'd rather just be your research assistant okay. on Sublime. Okay. Um, I'm going to keep you as long as I possibly can until you physically um, call the police on me. <laughs> um, I'm not ju- I'm, I, I I won't. Um, do you think... That, what? Why are you laughing? I don't know,
1: it reminds me of some horror movie or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we, like, it's going to be Boxing Helena. I'm going <laughs> to cut off your <laughs> arms and legs and just keep you here <laughs> forever. <laughs> I All mean, right. we already said earlier, like, I'm already trying to get him on these peptides that I'm taking that are supposed to make you, like, live longer. Um, David Sinclair, who's coming on the podcast, has talked about this. Um, Joe Rogan and stuff. Like, you're, you've you turned me into the opposite of a murderer, like, I'm going to keep you alive longer than you want to be alive. It's a
1: form of murder.
0: It is. <laughs> you know? Yes, I'm murdering, yeah, certainly your independence. Yeah. Where, like Weekend of Bernie's just carrying you <laughs> around forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, effective heuristics is... Yeah, Whoa.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs>
1: That's a good conversation starter. I'm not Try that at a party. I'm not,
0: bam, <laughs> mic drop. Now what, bitch? <laughs> I read in one of the books or heard some in in my hippocampus, which is yeah. just all full of you. Um, it's your bathroom. is your hippocampus. Yes, it really is. The fact that you went into my bathroom is just like horrifying. Um, I remember you saying that if you go into a store, back when we shopped at stores, if... (laughs) What?
1: Nothing. Nothing. I just feel like I'm in front row at a comedy routine. Having a great great time. I
0: haven't been funny at all, though. I'm not being funny with you. Okay, well... This is serious to me. Well, then I'll have to see when you are funny. I'm not going to waste any time trying to be funny with you. Go on. This is really... So when you're in a store... That when... um, if the salesperson touches you on the arm, you're fifty percent more likely to buy the product.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is this is book I read for the laws of human nature. It's a French book. It's like it was a book on manipulation, mm. basically. Like I saw the title in French I got very excited. <laughs> and um basically it what the point of the book was marketing people are the most amazing manipulators in the history of mankind. Every book on psychology, every book on in neuroscience, they have read completely and they base all of their little tricks and maneuvers on all of the science. So in the 1940s and 50s, all of these experiments were done by psychologists on people, like situations where someone would go up and touch your arm and what would happen mm. kind of thing. And they uncovered all of these things about people, Right. And then they incorporated it into sales techniques Mm. and they wrote books that that salesmen could read that were given as seminars to people who were in these kinds of positions. But the takeaway from all that is it reveals how unconscious we humans are, right? So if someone does something like that, where they, uh, I can't my, I'm, I'm blanking out right now about some of the examples of the book, because they are mind-blowing mm. techniques on manipulation. You know, you set it up by saying something. You know, you—I can't remember them. I so, so wish I could. But anyway, it reveals that we are unconscious of mm. why we decide things, mm-hmm. right? So if I, the you know, if we buy a product, we think that we're buying it based on rationality, mm-hmm. like we chose that car because, you know, it gets the best mileage, et cetera. We're not aware of the fact how there are other influences going on from advertising, from peer pressure. So for me, when I read the book, it's like, wow, there's so many things going on unconsciously about what we decide. And effective heuristics means that we think that we make our decisions based on on Mm. thinking patterns, on rationality, but everything we decide is basically emotion-based. And economists have used that word effective heuristics to explain the buying patterns of the public, that it's not based on rational decision, it's based on emotions. And that explains the irrationality that they have had to try and analyze in business schools and economists for human behavior, because human behavior is incredibly irrational Mm. when it comes to to buying things, for instance. So I wish I could remember some of those examples. It's going to haunt me.
0: Um, what do you do for fun?
1: Why do you ask that? Do You think I have no fun?
0: No, I'm just curious. I'm just so curious. I'm just curious.
1: Well. Um, like,
0: are you able to just.
1: What do you do for fun?
0: <laughs> Read your books.
1: That's not fun.
0: Watch your, your Google talks. Oh. Um, for fun. Well, I. Uh, fun is hard for me. Because I feel okay. like I'm, perf- I don't. I feel like I have to perform. It's very exhausting to me to have quote fun. Um, I, I because I grew up in a home where I had to be hyper vigilant all the time, and or, that a lot of people together, I'm like a herding dog. I'm like an Aussie Shepherd. Like I just get very. Um, and because my self-worth for the longest time was defined through uh, how useful I was. Yeah, right. I so I was like, how do, am I useful? How can I be useful to people? And I get disoriented because as a shapeshifter and people pleaser uh. that, um, you know, you hate that word, but... Um, it was very exhausting to me to have to take on masks and put them off if there's a lot of people in one place. Right. So I usually associate fun with parties and groups of people and oh. groups, groups of people is exhausting to me. Cause it's like, I have to turn into so it many different people. It doesn't sound like fun. Yeah. So the, so fun for me for the most part, uh, you feels very exhausting. I'm a little bit better with it now. Uh, well that
1: isn't fun though.
0: I, I, now that you can document stuff for social media, yeah. it, it, I know this is sick. But it, it's made it a little more fun because I have proof that it happened and I can um, get a score on the fun because I can post on social media and I can get a certain number of likes. Okay. And, then I, and then I feel like, okay, at least I know what happened. I don't have to be left to my own devices wondering how I did. Okay. Because that's uh, that's something I perseverate in. How did you do? How did you do? Like I just kind of want to grade. Like I was telling someone the other day that I I was touring, and I'm interested in what you think about this. So it was my first time like traveling during the pandemic. Have you gone anywhere yet?
1: No, I uh, I went on a book tour in France, and I came back like the day before everything got locked down. So that was like my last trip. But what, no, I haven't.
0: When I, w- I went to an airport and flew, and you
1: have to for all your your tour here,
0: and it was wonderful.
1: I'm sure no people.
0: Not only no people, but there was a set of rules everyone had to abide by. Right. I didn't. I wasn't in the constant uncertainty of is this person going to bump into me? Is this person going to hit? Is this person going to like? It was everyone was six feet apart in masks, and it was like everyone was in line, and it was so soothing to me. To not have to wonder if these irrational creatures, oh. these mercurial creatures around me, were going to do something. Uh, I didn't have to anticipate.
1: You felt like that before the log, before this all hit? No, with the, when the pandemic
0: we're... hit. I love peop- I love being around people who are all abiding by the same rules. Uh-huh. And the pandemic has given that to us uh-huh. for now.
1: Uh-huh. You 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 do well in Germany
0: then. (laughs) (laughs) I would do great in Gilead and The Handmaid's Tale. I just (laughs) I know what everyone's role is. I know how close I can because I get so exhausted by why is this person staying so close to me? It's a little too close or not close enough. Why do I sting? Like it's just so exhausting having to constantly ascertain.
1: Yeah. Well, I know when the pandemic hit and the lockdown really was strong in LA it was wonderful driving on the freeway <laughs> you could get anywhere in like a few minutes it was like paradise the sky was clear there was no pollution i rode my bike through Griffith Park i didn't see anybody the golf course was closed birds were out there deer were kind of coming closer mm-hmm. to the it was like paradise it was like the earth before all this shit happened
0: it feels like um animals yeah. revenge yeah because this is a big win for animals. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a big win for animals and uh, the earth in a way. Do you still get to ride horses? Yes.
1: Isn't that fun? Isn't, I would imagine if I were you, that would be my my fun moments.
0: Yes, yes. We're, uh, th- or
1: being with your dogs.
0: Yeah, liberty training with the horse and being with my dogs, that's my fun. Yeah. Because there's an absence of pressure. To me, fun is just an absence of pressure.
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. That's
0: kind of me. It's it's that fun isn't like, I'm having fun. It's just a relief from that. And then why are we afraid? Why are humans afraid of robots? (laughs) (laughs) Is there a logic to these questions? (laughs) (laughs) Because I can't figure it out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah what are you what are you gleaning so far from me <laughs> as the master of human nature well
1: that's that's an interesting mind you that's why i see like you write for television you write dramatically because you're able to come up with surprises
0: mm-hmm. you come from left field, <laughs> and that's what makes for
1: good comedy and drama mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i've written read books about that very thing because i used to try and write s- sort of comedy stuff too
0: that's right so i'll uh, talk about your acting career in a minute
1: Oh, you know. I them.
0: do. I actually, I actually thought it would be funny to. I, I couldn't do it because it would be wasting my time with you making this. But I was like, we should do a podcast where I don't ask about your books at all. I only interview as an actor. You as an actor.
2: Oh, well,
1: <laughs> like, it would be a very short interview. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I just want to talk about your acting work, your books. And like, yeah. Um.
1: Well, robots. Um. There's, there, there's a th- a word here. I'm, I'm going to sound so fuckingly erudite uh, it's, it's
0: <laughs> oh, oh as if you've sound, sounded so dumb for the last two hours <laughs> oh now you're gonna start sounding smart
1: <laughs> but Freud uh, uh. he had a concept of the uncanny and the uncanny valley
0: valley hmm? valley uncanny valley what's that the uncanny valley is not the dissonance between when our brain is trying to figure out like a doll like something that's fake versus real wow
1: I never heard of that. I have to write this down.
0: The Uncanny Valley. Can you can you remember? That? <laughs> yes, of course.
1: Um, well, that's I'd, kind of it.
0: Yes. Can I say it in eloquent terms? The Uncanny Valley is a concept first introduced in the 1970s by Mas. Krio I'm going to get canceled for mispronouncing that, then a professor at the Tokyo Institute of Technology. Mori coined the term uncanny valley to describe his observation that as robots appear more human-like, they become more appealing, but only up to a certain point.
1: Okay. Well, the idea on on the uncanny is it's something um, that is familiar but not familiar at the same time, Hmm. right? So it's something that you've repressed or that you're not facing, and then it comes back and it kind of haunts you in reality, right? So uh, I'm trying to think of... I mean, Freud had his own description of his own uncanny experience. He was walking around in the streets of some Italian city. I think it was Florence. And... He ended up in the red light district. And he goes, whoa, you know, because he's Freud and he's studying the unconscious.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, must yeah. Have, I
1: must have meant that. Uh, and he was a little bit ashamed. So he left and he walked around and he came back and he ended up again in the red light district. and He's going, what the hell's going on here? And then he tried to leave and he walked in like he, hit, he came back a third time. And he realized that this was so uncanny. It was like, it was like his unconscious was taking over mm. and making him behave in certain ways. So robots are like people, mm. but they're not people. So they're sort of familiar. They're kind of like how people seem to be in life. They, there's a robotic side to everybody in life, mm. but they're not. They're not alive. So it's uncanny. And so, like, in the early 19th century, people were obsessed with dolls and what were called automata. They, like, would make dolls that would come to life. Mm. And they would go, wow. And that was, like, the first sort of intimation of of kind of what is truly uncanny in life Mm. so that's the thing about it is that people almost seem robotic to us in some way but the robot is even more like that Mm. I don't know if I'm explaining it no
0: it's it's this is it's hard to explain it's and it's so hard to explain but this is so elegantly said by you and I think that Combine with what, from what I understand, pathogen avoidance of how we've evolved to be creeped out and fascinated by something that looks human but doesn't quite move like a human right. because that means it's sick or dead or diseased right. and don't fuck it. Uh-huh. So there's this recoiling of, I mean, people when they see a doll or a clown or it's just there's like a <clears throat> there's like a terror, even though we know it's a doll. The fact that we're afraid of dolls. Yeah. Is wild when you think about it.
1: Yeah. I find dolls very creepy myself.
0: Yes. There's a biological basis for that, I think. Yeah. You know? And I I just always wonder, like, the difference between nature and nurture. What's nature and what what's nurture is my obsession in life. And I always wonder if that's, like, because little girls carry them around and we're not allowed to look at little girls. Like, what? there's just so much... Um, drama around dolls (laughs) and humans
1: (laughs) i remember when i was a kid um um, and i'm a lot older so i'm remembering back to the 60s um there was a science fiction movie on i saw when i was maybe five years old i'll never forget it It was so frightening and so creepy it was called something like invaders from mars Mm. and basically was these invaders from mars they landed on earth and took place in the desert and their ship went underground and it started off with this little boy who was like my age was like six years old and suddenly he noticed that his father was not acting like his father he was really cold and distant and robotic and unloving and it totally freaked him out and he was really worried and scared by it and then one day he followed his father out of the house and he walked into the desert into these sands and he disappeared into the sand and the boy kind of follows him there. And he sees these hideous Martians operating on people and, like, doing something and putting a little thing in the back of their neck like, like Frankenstein had. And it transformed them. It was kind of like that movie Invasion of the Body. Yeah. Right? So that's kind of a robotic thing where people, like, I think children feel that some way sometimes about their parents. Mm. You know? Like, their behavior... Is almost robotic. They can understand it. They're not. They're not responding in a very human way to things.
0: You're making me think of something that's such an inter- a weird tangent, yeah. which is because um, it made me think. Oh gosh, maybe that's why I'm so afraid of drunk people. You know, they get ro- They get like. Um, robotic and weird, and then it made me think of zombies and our fear of zombies, and I was reading something about how uh, zombie movies essentially capitalize on our fear of homeless people. Wow. (laughs) And like in the 80s, all those movies about uh, a single white female, the hand that rocks the cradle, the fear of women moving into the workforce. There were all these horror movies written by men, basically about (laughs) you know what was indecent. Yeah, that not indecent proposal. What was the one with Demi Moore where she like made Michael Douglas fuck her? She like women and were CEOs and they were villains. Disclosure. What is it? Disclosure. Disclosure. It was like Demi Moore always played these CEOs in the workplace, and um, and there was a lot of babysitters killing babies because the mom went to work. And the biggest fear was a babysitter, you know. I'm just sort of like fascinated, and I, I was thinking about this over the weekend, of like how, we are so afraid of homeless people. There's a homeless problem in LA, is getting worse. And I just think about it, and I'm like, what are we so afraid of? It's because they're people that have nothing to lose. I'm obsessed with um, the Nextdoor app or the Nextdoor. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's pretty uh, – that's where I got, gleaned a lot of this from. Yeah.
0: I bet – because, yeah, you're basically just seeing the most carnal side of people's fears. Yeah. Of like uh, – and sh- I would say 80% of my door is people – complaining about homeless people it is consuming their amygdala is so activated it's consuming so much of their mental energy in space and so much of what your work is about is embracing the dark side of human nature so you can and accepting that people behave irrationally so that you don't use up a ton of your bandwidth trying to figure people out
1: yeah I, i remember once um years ago i was in you tell me if my stories are too boring
0: I'm so, I am oh. so fascinated by the fact that you are worried. You've said it like three times that all you right. might be more. Well, I don't know this. You're a
1: comedian. I don't know if your podcast, if I'm like bringing the wrong energy here. Anyway.
0: This is no, this is a, th- there's no such thing as the wrong energy. Right. Um I, when I started podcasting, I didn't want to do it because I was so insecure that I wasn't going to be funny all the time. But there's nothing worse than someone trying to be funny mm-hmm. forcing funny when there's no audience yeah okay. so this is a different okay medium
2: okay
1: well anyway i remember i was
0: because in- you're also like statistically the most interesting person so it's just so fat which is probably why you're so interesting is because you think you're boring so you work harder but okay. it's just wild to me
1: okay i won't, <laughs> like, All won't right, do bitch. it again yeah
0: <laughs> no i Three
1: just three's <laughs> enough um i was in nicaragua about some 30 years ago for a job um and uh it, it was a, it's a very weird interesting place they just had this huh. massive earthquake a few years ago and the whole city had been devastated so it was like returning to what the world was like thousands of years ago and i was i remember an experience that i've never forgotten i was like in a post office or something and there and this young man entered who was clearly crazy Something was, you know, like he mm. could be violent.
2: Mm.
1: And it was a really strange energy. And the people there, they responded to him like he was a human being. Mm. And they talked to him. And they, they calmed him down. And they they didn't get all defensive or angry. And he just kind of relaxed in front of them, right? And so I was like, wow, you know, a lot of our problem is social. We make people feel ostracized. We make people feel awful. And here was a very human response to someone who was very alienated socially, and the solution was to make him feel more comfortable in that environment. And it worked. And I've never forgotten that that episode
0: It always um that is so fascinating to me, and it makes me think that uh, the FBI uh, gets all their tactics from you. Um, which I'm sure they do. I mean, I know they do. I mean, I know. I
1: know Gavin DeBecker's written read a lot of my books.
0: Yes. He's, he's yes. written to me. Gavin Becker, who we talk about on this podcast, uh, uh, because of the gift of fear, mm. that your body knows everything about everyone. And we just, uh, especially as women, because we've been told we're crazy and psycho, that we just dismiss our own um, gut and intuition. Um, but that makes me think of uh, the FBI, the tactics of getting criminals to admit to killing people is they just empathize with them. Yeah, They just say like, well, your brother slept with your, or your best friend slept with your sister. Like, didn't that upset you? That would have pissed me off. Right, like, how right, could right. he do that? Right. And they go, yeah, I know. That's why I killed him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, well, that was easy. Yeah. All you had to do was side with the person right. you're trying to get. Right. You just have to side with them. And it's like in all the conflict That we're, I mean, when I go on Twitter and when I see what's going on with this country being torn apart, it's so incendiary for me to say to someone I disagree with politically, like, I see why you think that. Like, people that are uh, the abortion debate, it's like, I I both, you're both right because you both think you're saving someone's life. It's like, you're both right. Right. So it's like when someone's like, I can't believe this person is pro-life. I'm like, well, they think they're saving a baby. Right. Of course. How can you think they're, you would do the same thing? I
3: would love to point out that BetterHelp has shortened their ad significantly <laughs> because we never read it. It's literally like seven lines now. Uh, can we show it may as well just say what the fuck ever just say it. excuse me what the freak? in this
0: ad can you please do a screen grab of this so the audience sees what we see I will I do think the audience should see what the copy is that we get so you see how much we bring to it so you see how real we are about this um therapy is something that I'm so torn about in terms of talking about it because it always feels very elitist to me because it's it is too expensive. Because it is. And who has time to drive? It's three hours door to door by the time you get there and you park and you're there and, the, and then you leave and then you're...
3: If I still lived in my hometown, I have to move states to go to a therapist.
0: Yeah. I. But now with better help. Better Because help.
3: it's online. I can start communicating in under 48 Finally, hours. The
0: democratization of therapy happened.
3: It's worldwide. 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 Remember that song?
0: Oh, (laughs) God! Not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it's professional counseling done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide. Worldwide. (laughs) You can log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor. This is the key to serenity, I think. It's like, when I feel frustrated, jealous, uh, when I'm in pain, when I'm restless, irritable, and just (laughs) content. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just describing my personality. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, How I, else do I feel right now?
0: I want to take an action. I want to send that text. I want to send that email. I want to call that person. I want to, you know... Um do something
3: reckless when you could just log on to BetterHelp.
0: That's what I'm saying. And start
3: living your happier life today.
0: Do it to your BetterHelp counselor yeah. so that you don't make a big mess at your job and get fired. You're right; they should because visit. you wrote per my last email. That's passive aggressive. Your BetterHelp still appropriate. dot com therapist will tell you that.
3: Visit Better. They just respond back but per my last email. I'm not available right now. <laughs> They would never do that, though, because they're available in under 48 hours. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Whitney. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of Thank an experienced God, professional. Million. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50, 50 states. states. Special offer Alaska? for good-for-you listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Whitney. This podcast is brought to you by Whoop.
0: hmm Whoop. Whoop?
3: Do you say whoop or whoop? I say whoop. I should.
0: Whop. <laughs> so you guys have probably seen me wearing this very like elegant, how would you describe this? It's a my very... My fashion. My fashion. Um, it's a
3: stylish space bracelet. But
0: it's like, it's a space bracelet. <laughs> it's a rustic, futuristic, ex machina.
3: It's the, it's the mind of a trainer and a nutritionist on your wrist.
0: And like... And a
3: coach and a cheerleader.
0: I feel like I don't even need to get married now that i have a whoop band this is basically <laughs> a husband <laughs> yeah but <laughs> it tells me how i slept it tells me how my day's been it tells me to relax i
3: only want to talk to electronics. yeah <laughs> in my life
0: truly like I, i'm not even joking like why get married when you can just get a whoop band
3: a whoop does tell you everything It gives you a recovery score based on how well you slept
0: well no it like, gives you a rest. what a whoop band is
3: well, it's a <laughs> Space bracelet, we just told them. It's
0: a space bracelet, but it's a fitness wearable. Okay, that... Does that help.
3: Explain. That didn't help me at all. Space brace. That was more helpful. It's a band that you wear around your wrist, and it tracks your heart rate, your sleep patterns, mm-hmm. um, your heart uh, variables. Mm-hmm. It tracks all the stuff to let you know like how how well you're working out. I almost said how good. How well you're working out. Um, how often if you're if you're doing better than the last time. If you need to rest more. What time you need to go to bed. And it, it also the cool thing about it is that when you go to sleep, it actually tells you like uh, <laughs> when you're awake. It tells you when you're in light sleep. When you're in REM sleep, sleep when you're because in slow my, wave sleep.
0: I know that I um blathered on about this last podcast, but like I it it really changed my life because it helped me realize that like I sleep better than I thought I did cuz yeah, I yeah. you know what I mean? Cuz I thought when I was like dreaming I I just had this thing that I like I sleep restlessly. I'm up, I'm down, I can't fall asleep like and that's what was making me not be able to sleep and that was what was making me think I was tired. Yeah. I know I sound insane saying this.
3: No, I know what you're saying. But
0: the proof is in the pudding. Because I felt the same way say. about the
3: calorie part. I was like, I'm never burning any calories. And then I went to the band yes! and I was like, oh, I burned so yes! many and didn't know. It
0: helped. Like, it's like taking facts. the stairs, facts.
3: like taking the stairs or walking from the furthest parking spot did make a difference mm-hmm. in my little band. It also has a little built in diary where you track if you have an argument or anything like that increases so much your heart because rate. because
0: you don't have to wonder, how was that workout? How was my sleep? Like it just tells you. Yeah. And then you can move on with your, d- your day and live your life and. <laughs>
3: And it tells you in a way to be it's optimal.
0: Very... It's it's really helping me like be optimal.
3: It tells you I'm
0: what... Joe Rogan. <laughs>
3: it tells you in a way I
0: feel like Joe Rogan wearing a whoop band.
3: Joe Rogan would never talk over his guest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not my guest in this house. I am. Um. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. Like it's so weird doing these ads because it's like I I don't it feel the more we talk about it the more it sounds like you like just get it
3: yeah buy it it's-
0: it'd be so silly not to get it this would not getting whooping would be like not getting the vaccine or like not getting it's just like it's gonna be not perming
3: your hair <laughs> you gotta do it once
0: i'm just saying it's like it's gonna be as essential as like your phone at some point and- you know
3: And it is connected to your phone, so it kind of is your phone. It is your phone. And Whoop is offering 15% off right now with the code Whitney. And check out, go to whoop, W-H-O-O-P dot com and enter Whitney at checkout to save 15% off. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimal for your performance with Whoop today. I hope
0: that they start to do a dating app thing so I can see people, the guys' Whoop metrics that I'm dating.
3: People are not science projects. You have to stop that.
0: (laughs) You love octopuses?
1: Um... I'm fascinated by them. Me too. Uh, Really? Yeah. Well, um, for my new book, um, I'm kind of researching about strange phenomena with animals because um, I've always had this feeling like if we could somehow, you know, like the Dr. Doolittle thing, if we could enter their brains and see their world, it would be insanely, you know, it would just be the most amazing experience of all. I'm
0: going to say something a little crazy. It's going to sound crazy.
1: Curious than anything you've said before.
0: <laughs> if even for me in this conversation, I can help you with this. Really. Mm-hmm. Like I can add value to you in this book. Really. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. Well, I I, t- well, I, I can only
0: more. communicate with animals.
1: Oh well, me too.
0: I can't. Like, humans are a, a nightmare.
1: Oh yeah, I want to hear more about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, so, anyway.
0: <laughs> anyway.
1: Um, <laughs> So uh I was reading a book about uh called aliens that was trying to say is there life out there on other planets and what would life like that be like on other planets mm-hmm. you know because our natural tendency as humans is to anthropomorphize everything So we can only imagine aliens walking on two legs, Mm -hmm. talking like us and all this other stuff. But they're not. They're going to be completely different. Mm -hmm. And in this book, there was a chapter Mm -hmm. about octopuses written by a very famous neuroscientist, an English neuroscientist that somebody told me about who's like one of the most brilliant neuroscientists around now. And his theory was that octopuses give us a clue to how a different form of consciousness could be it's not saying that this is exactly what alien life would be like, but it could be like this. And I got really interested in it. Um, and so I started reading some, some very you know, detailed books about octopuses, their psychology, their physiology, And it's absolutely mind-blowing. Another word I hate, but it's true. It's unbelievable.
0: There's a a movie out now that I have not seen called My Octopus Teacher. Oh. About a man that is best friends with an octopus and visited it every day. Oh, wow. It's supposed to be unbelievable, and it's all underwater, him and his octopus.
1: Oh, it's like a documentary. Yeah,
0: they had like a friendship. It was him and his octopus teacher. Yeah. And the whole movie is about them being best friends.
1: Well— yeah, there's, there's a lot of stories like that. He
0: would go down, and it knew him. It oh, would, yeah, yeah. It would come back to him, and they were together, basically. What's it called? My Octopus
1: Teacher. Are you going to um, email me all the things that we've talked yes. about? Yes, yes. You can remember them?
0: Yes. Okay. I promise. All right. There was an, octopu- there was an octopus, octopi, that were being shipped to some rich... The
1: octopi or octopuses? I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, go on.
0: I think octopi
1: sounds weird, doesn't it?
0: Plural for octopus is, okay. Plural for octopus is octopuses. That's what I thought. It just sounds uh, untoward to say. It a <laughs> it just, I know. Like, <laughs> that's, when you said it, I was like, Octopussy, that book, <laughs> that movie, I just was like, I was uncomfortable, so right. I panicked. Anyway. <laughs> I wanted to take some, but my fear is they only live three to five years. That's,
1: exa- that's one of the weirdest thing about them. Yeah, so there was a book called Um The Soul of an Octopus, which is a pretty famous book. It's good. It's not the best, but it's pretty good. Can't wait. And um she this woman, Cy Montgomery, she kind of spent a lot of time with octopuses and she would bond with them and they would die. Oh. And, and and you know, and the bond that you have with them is very weird because there's something uncanny, to use that word again, about them. So do you know a lot about, about octopuses?
0: Uh, not as much as you, but I can hang. <laughs> I can do this conversation. Okay. Well. I'm not scared.
1: Well, like primates obviously were related to, and we branched off from them fairly recently in history. Yeah. But the branching off point with octopuses is literally about 600 million years ago. It's, it's incredibly early on, right? We have very, very little in common with them. Right, neurologically, et cetera. Our eyes are kind of similar to that mm. to theirs. They're they're structured similarly, but everything else is different. They're invertebrates, right? So they have no skeleton, which is why they can go crawl into the smallest spaces. Mm. They have their brain is in their arm. Most ah. of their brain is in their arm. Ah. They have three hearts. The blood that they pump is this weird kind of green gold substance that they don't find in other animals. They're they can literally see with their tentacles, right? They have so. Can you imagine seeing through their yeah. skin? You could literally see through your arm. You can also taste with your arm. It's, unbe- right? it's unbelievable. Right? The fact
0: that we eat them is criminal.
1: Oh, it's disgusting. After reading this, you can never eat them again. I used to eat them too. I would never do that again. They're, they're very not sensitive. even.
0: I don't even think they're good. I'm always like, this is just a rubbery. It just feels like you're eating skin. You're eating. It feels like cannibalism to me.
1: Yeah, well, it's like almost like eating a cat or a dog. It would be a similar thing because they're so smart and so sensitive.
0: Mm-hmm. Or a right?
1: pig. Or pig, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a pig. Once you have a pig, it's very hard. You to have a pig here? No, back, not here. He's in Texas now.
1: Wow. Yeah. Like a, a little pot pig or yeah. a big pig? he
0: said, well, all pigs are big. What I learned, because there's this. Teacup pig trade. So, if you've seen like a teacup pig, two, three pound pig, it's a very trendy thing on Instagram. People have these little pigs. There's no such thing. That's just a starved regular pig.
1: Oh, terrible. Yeah.
0: So, pigs are never going to be under 200 pounds. So, anytime you see them smaller than that, that just means they're starved. So, I rescued this pig during the Woolsey fires a couple years ago. And it was a starved pig from that, like an Instagram pig, like a breeder pig, and got him, and so his growth was stunted and his legs were bent and he had all these problems, but um, they're so emotional. Oh, I'm sure. And they're so vocal, uh-huh. and they get jealous, And they get... Horses get jealous, too. They get jealous... I didn't know
1: that about horses.
0: They get... Yeah, horses get very jealous. I mean, it depends on if you're the lead mare or if you're whatever, but jealous is a big thing with horses. Horses are incredibly violent, also. Violent. A lot of people don't know this about horses, but wild horses... So all the horses... Oh, wild horses. All the horses we've seen are broken. Right. Right? So it's like... They say you break a horse. You break their spirit. So right. any horse that we see that's being ridden or pulling carriages and stuff, they have surrendered and they don't think they have any other options. So they're basically just zombies. It's very rare that most yeah. of us see like an awake horse. Yeah. Awake horses, um, the way that they communicate with you and show that they like you is they mimic you.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, I thought I knew horses, but I, didn't, I don't know anything about it compared to you.
0: And their eyesight is really fascinating, too, the way that they see. And, the, um, and they're incredibly psychic. I mean, horses, yeah, are, that I know. horses are mirrors. You know, they're prey animals. Yeah. So they can, you know, there's these amazing stories of, you know, a horse that they tried to drag under a bridge and it wouldn't go under a bridge for two days. And then, you know, uh, a day later, the bridge collapsed, you know.
1: Wow. I wonder where that comes from.
0: I mean, they're prey animals. Um, are uh, octopi pusses very pugnacious or no?
1: No. No octopuses. The thing about octopuses is that they're very vulnerable. They have they got rid of their shell, um, you know, millions and millions of years ago. So that's why they they don't live very long. They're very vulnerable. They have no defense. And for their defense, that's how they developed their incredible propulsion ability underwater and their camouflage skills. Yes. But, um, sorry, what, oh no, so they're not very violent, no. Uh, but they're very clever and manipulative. And, uh, you know, they, they can do things like, they're great at escaping. So
0: that's me and my horse. Let me see. We can lie down together.
1: Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah. That's you?
0: No, that no, that's my liberty trainer. But we oh. do that. Yeah,
1: it didn't look like.
0: Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, you are a shapeshifter. <laughs> that woman looks Asian.
0: No, I, yeah, I went to her Instagram. Oh. But I'll, when I can find the picture of me doing it, I don't want to waste your time. Wow,
1: Isn't that cool? I Love horses.
0: Isn't that cool? So whatever's going on on with you is going on with the horse so if you can for sure if you can get to a place where you can get the horse to not feel any danger or threats or fears it means you're in you're out of your are you like a horse with spider flight it's, I grew up around horses and they were my best friends because they were the only communication I understood. Yeah. They were the only time I wasn't, I'm the only time I'm not confused is around animals. Yeah. Because they're so direct and they have honest communication. They don't yeah, pretend and I they feel don't. the same way. They don't wear masks and they don't want you to wear one either. Because if you are um, need anything from a horse, if you're scared of it, yeah. they they just are like, there's a mountain lion close by. Yeah because they don't understand why you'd be scared of it. Right. So your fear to them is perceived as danger, so they just want to get away from you. Yeah. And any kind of... It made me realize that needing a picture with it or needing to pet it or needing to touch it, all that's so repellent to them, because yeah. it all just boils down to fear. Really? And it took me... so I, Like, it blew my mind.
1: That, but domestic tamed horses aren't like that.
0: Well, they're broken. Yeah. They, have, they, don't, they don't think they have any choice. So if a horse truly has a choice... They will do that. I see. So if a, if an unbroken horse wants to be near you, that's the greatest compliment you can get.
2: Wow. Wow.
0: So sometimes even now, if I go in there with my shitty energy and he if he just walks to the other side, I'm like, got it. Uh-huh. I'm still thinking about the guy that cut me off in traffic. Oh, I'm see. still thinking that I'm falling Yeah, behind. they
1: are psychic that way. I'm not it?
0: good enough. I feel fat today or ugly or I just disparaged myself. I got it. <laughs> or I need a selfie I need to put this on Instagram. And he's like, bye, bitch. <laughs> Fucking bye. Clean your shit up. And then we'll hang out. Yeah. You know? So wow. it's just he's my...
1: He's. You should have like a long-term relationship with the horse.
0: I do. I mean, he's my... Soul mate.
1: Yeah. What's his name?
0: King. King. Well, his name was King of Diamonds when he was a show horse. And I hate the show horse thing. Disgusting. And I hate the name of that. But I just thought, let me keep King because what they say is name a horse what the horse needs. So when an abused horse comes in, uh, you know, like a name is important. Because it's going to change the way you so you say his name is King, mm-hmm. so I get more regal right away, and I treat him more regally because his name is King. So if you have a violent horse, you want to name him uh, Cutie Pie. <laughs> if you have an insecure horse, you name him King.
1: Could we do that with people? That would you'd work think,
0: really like right. I, to help lead their energy into what they need. Yeah. So we make this mistake of naming Pipple's Fang. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then we all think it's more violent than it is because we just – and then we project that onto them and we cast them in that role and then they start – it's a self-filling prophecy. Yeah. So they say the way you talk to – so you never say to a horse, I learned – and you shouldn't do this with people either. I'll like – I'll go like, oh, you're so pushy. Like who's in it? Like – and then – it. Who would talk to a horse like that? It's, it, you're a bad boy. Like any of that, you're just training them to be a bad boy.
1: Uh-huh. I see.
0: You know? So I had to change the vernacular I used with him because he was insecure and would be um, physically too close to me because they're, te- they're always testing you. Yeah. They want to know if you're going to stand up for yourself. This is another
1: book. This <sighs> is your third book.
0: Crazy Horse Lady?
1: No, no, no. It's things that you've learned from horses. And that's not the title, believe me. But um, that'd be really interesting. Your relationship to animals and what they've done for you, and what they, all the things you've learned.
0: Because they made me learn that when you draw boundaries and you stand up for yourself, you don't repel them. They don't abandon you. They just respect you more. Mm-hmm. They don't go away. Yeah. And I thought if you had uh, self-respect, it was a re- the other person would feel rejected. Yeah. Because when you grow up around narcissists, they take your self-care as a rejection. Right. So they go away. So, but with horses, they want you to stand up for them. They want you to be regal. They yeah. want you to be royal, because then they feel safe. They go, okay, I don't have to worry about you.
1: Well, yeah, it's amazing.
0: Are there aliens?
1: Are there aliens? Well, according to this book, um, th- that that um, there's a big, obviously a huge debate about that, and most people, a lot of people think. Obviously, with the number of of planets out there that are habitable, the odds are that there is definitely life out there. But is it conscious life? Is it organized civilizations out there?
0: I mean, half of us aren't conscious, so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But, you know, is there like a a civilized, a space-traveling alien out there? And that seems not maybe so likely. The other thing is the distances are so great from any planet that would be habitable, mm. that to get here would take like hundreds or thousands of years. So, if any alien life contacted us, it would probably be synthetic. Mm. It'd be like robots, right?
0: Mm, yes,
1: that they cyborgs. made and sent. Yeah, yeah, because obviously they could, you know, go on forever, and that's how we would probably have to end up traveling through space. Um, and but the other thing is, if you read which is part of my new book, the circumstances that led to the formation of life on Earth and then from uh, simple organisms to complex organisms to, prime, to animals, to mammals, to primates. It was so unlikely, such a chain of circumstances. It almost makes you believe in God. It's so unlikely. You know, uh, uh, an asteroid hitting Earth 90 million years ago And wiping out the dinosaurs and that asteroid almost missed the missed us right and if it hadn't dinosaurs would still be room dominating the planet right so the you have to they have a word for it i can't remember what it is but there's so many barriers that you have to go through to get to any kind of civilized life form that's conscious that for that to happen on another planet seems unlikely but considering the number, the sheer number of planets out there, maybe there is a couple or a few that do have that. But they would be so far away, and it would take so much, you know, some kind of technology we've never heard of before to get to us, to reach us. So it's a little bit disappointing to read that. But you know, they've discovered that there's probably life right now on Venus, mm. some sort of life form on Venus, and on some of the moons of Jupiter, etc. So there is like very primitive life forms out there we already pretty much know that and probably on mars there was at one point but um
0: there's an ongoing conversation on this uh podcast um about foot fetishes wow
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: amazing that's amazing you, 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 yeah, do you write screenplays or anything like that or, or or fiction or anything?
0: Um, sometimes.
1: Wow. I used to be able to do that myself, but I kind of lost it.
0: <laughs> just to be like
1: just associations that are so free have no fucking idea where they come from.
0: Stream of consciousness. Yeah. So
1: what about foot fetishes? Do I have
0: one? So, foot fetishes, my feet do very well on the internet. They do very well. I know they're covered. I'm Um, is it, I think Freud said it's because toes look like dicks.
1: But I never heard that.
0: Right? I think I might have just made that up.
1: (laughs) I think you did. Doesn't sound like Freud anyway.
0: (laughs) If you don't know, if you can't corroborate it, it's probably not true. Uh, I either dreamt this or read this somewhere or thought of this, that...
1: How did you go from aliens to foot fetish? (laughs)
0: Because I was thinking about E.T.'s fingers... And okay. that's what my toes look like. And okay. then I went to, oh, I have to ask him about foot fetishes. Okay, okay, because okay. He's, all, right, all right, mystery he's, solved. He's a, he's a master of what happened in the first couple of years of your life governing the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, uh, there is a theory that babies crawling, wanting their mother, they see the mom's feet. I think that I just came, I just made that up, and I I think I, I I'm trying to pretend like I read that somewhere, but that is just the theory I have that babies are trying to get to their moms or or and the feet is all they can reach.
1: But then, yeah. But then, why would just some people have that? And why was only be some people's men? moms
0: were barefoot? Okay. Okay. Uh, this just... is
1: not your next book. <laughs> Stick to animals, please, and codependency anyway um
0: what's the foot like fetishes like we talked with uh, a neuroscientist a couple of weeks ago about the neuroscience of of fetishes, but is there uh uh any kind of <laughs> is that interest you at all
1: yeah um it's like you have sexual energy that's charged mm for something that represents something else. Mm. Um, I mean, somewhere in the back, in in the dustbins of my brain, (laughs) I've read some interesting things about foot foot fetishes, but I don't know if I can remember them.
0: (laughs) Your brain knows it's not worth the real estate. (laughs) Your brain knew to delete (laughs) that trash.
1: (laughs) But you like, at a very early age, some body part, Or piece of clothing Mm. or, you know, because there are other fetishes besides feet, Mm -hmm. right? Something in your early, early childhood became charged with sexual energy, with libido, libidinal energy, and you never overcame it. And so that body part stands for something else. Mm. I mean, that's all I can... So interesting. I'm digging, 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 but I'm not finding what I want.
0: Mindhunter. Did you watch Mindhunter? You might like it. It's David Fincher's movie. Oh. Yeah. The greatest. So David Fincher made a a tv show about serial killers about all the famous serial killers Uh and uh about the guys in the 60s or 70s who were the part of the cia who started studying serial killers and interviewing them in prison Uh and it's all the serial killers admitting why they did it Uh and it's kind of a exploration of their moms and them needing pantyhose and heels to jerk off and it was like it's very much about and of course it's david fincher so it's visual shakespeare i mean it's like yeah. everything means something and yeah um and this is something that um i've never shared before am i gonna get in trouble for it you but have a I, fetish i heard i don't think i have fetishes like i do <sighs> i do have a little bit of yeah I don't. i don't watch porn and i don't like when i watch it i don't get turned on i get i think it's i get so distracted by making jokes and observing and going, I have to write a joke about this. Like, I can't really get lost in stuff like that. But I do think porn is probably going to be the next generation in sort of giving fetishes and stuff. I mean, I feel like computers are now our fetish. This is what turns me on, getting on my computer and Googling something, you know? This is our fetish now. This is my foot fetish.
1: Yeah, but you don't have sexualized interest in your computer. That's true. As far as I know.
0: I I think it's probably in the... uh, And this could be my birth control, because when women are birth control, we smell pheromones differently, right? So our body thinks it's pregnant, so we are attracted to a more, like, alpha, quote-unquote, man. But I definitely, I think, fetishize, like, tattoos. I'm definitely, and I don't know if it's just my brain going, like, oh, risk. He takes risks. He's dangerous. He can protect my future offspring. It might just be that. Oh, really? But I do think tattoos are, like, ooh.
2: Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: okay. But
0: I don't know if that's a fetish or if that's just a primordial. No, I think that's
1: coming closer to it. I think that's more... yeah,
0: like he's. Uh...
1: I think though, thinking about women and their, because it's men who have foot fetishes, not women.
0: Exactly. Not that I know. I
1: think it, looking at your foot, <laughs> I think it has to do with kind of the delicacy and the it represents kind of femininity. Mm.
0: And, not mine, huh? There's nothing delicate about my feet.
1: Well, are there men that have fetishized your foot?
0: There are on the internet, but I think it's sort of, isn't it also part of the humiliation of your humiliating, like it's, I only deserve your disgusting feet.
1: No, that now we're going somewhere I can't answer. I have no idea about
0: Like there's some kind of that's, that's
1: more like masochism here. Mm,
0: interesting, or like yeah, being degre- wanting to be degraded, insulted. I get fascinated by the. There was this amazing article that actually my one of my best friends from college wrote um, about this dominatrix, and she gets hired to in- humiliate men in public, in front of people.
1: How does she do that?
0: It's she takes them out in public and like humiliates Are they them. they Wanted. Yeah.
1: Powerful men? hmm And they get off on them?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a... Yeah.
1: Men are weird, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> God.
0: Yes. I, I, yes. Their mo- their moms just, you know, had too much rosé in I, the 50s. I
1: once went on, back in the day when I wrote mm-hmm. The Art of Seduction. Do you know who Susan Block is?
0: No. Oh, good.
1: You, I'm glad you don't. Uh-oh. She's like a a sex... I don't know what you would call her.
0: Like a dominatrix or a sex. uh, Dr. Susan Block is an American sex therapist, author, filmmaker. I have heard of this person, but yes.
1: She was a big fan of my books. And she would have me on her quote-unquote show back in the day. Wow.
0: On HBO, yeah.
1: And uh, you would sit on her couch and she would have like penis pillows and vagina pillows and everything (laughs) was... Anyway, she brought on as a guest for my for my entertainment, a dominatrix named Power. Mm. And this Dominatrix was inspired by the forty eight laws of power and was like sort of using some of the tricks and the psychology and it on her clients. And she brought her in and it was this it was very kind of off putting to me. I was really like turned off if you could be so turned off but she was clad in this like all black leather, shiny black latex outfit. Mm-hmm. And she had like a man in the audience who wanted to be humiliated. And she sort of demonstrated her technique in front of us all. I, I was so horrified. Mm-hmm. By it. Well,
0: because but... all, all I see is like desperation and sadness. Yeah. That's all I really see. The last thing I'm going to ask How did
1: we get into this? Can we get out of this?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like we entered a door one never
0: <laughs> um, did you have fun?
1: You did it again.
0: I am curious.
1: Of course I had fun, really. Are you insecure? Yes. Yeah, I had fun. Well, I mean, I don't know what fun. Wait, I is have. this
0: supposed to this isn't really supposed to be fun, I guess, like
1: yeah, I was you f- very entertained and very impressed and you you have so much energy, you have mental energy. I can't keep up with you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. I am very uh, intense about um, my uh, economy of energy. I save a lot of it.
1: And you drink highball.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm drinking four caffeine drinks. I also, like I, before I do a podcast, especially with someone like you, I won't talk to anyone for like 24 hours. Really? Yeah.
1: That's a good idea. Yeah.
0: And I like won't look at computer. Like I'll deprive myself, deprive myself so that I. Interesting. Yeah.
1: That, yeah, no, I've had a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: Can yeah. I ask one because these fans will just I think really appreciate in the art of seduction, the absence and presence. It's the whole game. It's all of it.
1: It's like a dance between those two things. Most people, particularly nowadays, only know presence because that's what they're trained on social media, et cetera. That you always have to be out there in front of people and, and kind of in their face and getting their attention, and they don't know about absence. And you have to learn the fact that creating absence is what creates the fantasizing part of the human brain, right? So if you're continually present in someone, you're always overwhelming them with text messages, phone calls, visits, etc. They don't have any space or room to imagine who you are to idealize you in some way, to think about you when you're not there you're suffocating them with their attention and you need to give them space so that they can have some element of mystery now you'll think people out there will think well that's so manipulative you're you shouldn't you just be yourself if you want to just talk to people shouldn't you just talk to them well yeah you can do that but you're also going to in the process going to be putting them off yeah. you're also not going to be creating any kind of magic and if you want someone to be to have that kind of effect of starting to love you or to feel some intensity where you're penetrating their psychological defenses, you need to be able to stand back and and, and give them some room. So if you don't, in a very banal level, if you don't text them for three or four days, suddenly their mind starts to go into overdrive. They think
0: about you more when they don't see you.
1: Yeah. And they're thinking, well, what's going on? Is she really that interested in me? Maybe she's seeing somebody else, or maybe I said something wrong. And then then you start wondering all sorts of things about her. And the moment the other person is thinking about you, the seduction process is beginning. They're going to start to idealize you. You know, I have the thing in there that comes from the great writer Stendhal. It's a crystallization process. It's like something that's starting to crystallize. All these little crystals are forming, and they're creating this
0: kind of which will turn into an engagement ring eventually. Yeah. That crystal will turn into a diamond if right. you just if you just make yourself mysterious.
1: But then if you're always absent, that doesn't have any any mm-hmm. proper effect either. That has, you know, that can also lead to other kinds of problems. Like someone will start forgetting about you. They'll move on to someone else. You won't So it's a it's a balance between those two. And you know, it's the classic women used to be really good at that. It was the classic thing of hard to get. Mm -hmm. And the woman who was hard to get would be the one that would make men go crazy. Your
0: value goes up if you're not ubiquitous.
1: Because men have a kind of hunting instinct. Mm -hmm. They want to chase, right? And so if you make them chase, you're exciting them and you're creating that. Your price goes up. For sure, yes. So um, The
0: more of something there is, the less it costs, like diminishing marginal returns, like in, in economics. Right. You know? why can't we just apply that
1: yeah so but i think it's something that's lost today that people don't know how to step back and don't know how to create a little bit of mystery and they and mystery is something that people miss in life you know i think they miss kind of fantasy and enchantment guessing it, guessing but also like drama some drama everything is so familiar and banal and and you know like predictable predictable There's no theater. So think of of seduction or courtship as kind of like two birds going through a mating dance and they're courting each other. And it's this elaborate, beautiful dance that happens all the time in nature. Well, we're doing the same thing. It's a little bit more psychological with us. It's not completely physiological. But we're creating this little kind of interesting dance. And people want theater in their life. They want to be taken out of their humdrum, Mm. boring, day-to-day existence. And falling in love or having a love affair is sometimes the most th- dramatic thing that can happen to you. And so you're not just being manipulative, you're actually entertaining people and giving them what they want most desperately because you don't get it in in real life. All our fantasizing in our culture is in television, is in imagery, is out there, and it's not, we're not experiencing it, right? We have a deficit of experiencing these things in our own lives we live vicariously through all these programs etc but we want to experience it ourselves so the lack of seduction going on is actually problematic to me because it's like people who are missing a sort of enchanting fantasy process in life and you're not giving it to them so never feel guilty about the fact that you're creating that distance thing because you're actually you're actually entertaining people you're actually giving them what they secretly want
0: and you're making me realize like what I say with um, when you train dogs to do tricks, people are like, that's mean. You shouldn't do that. No, it's for them because then they get to feel pride. So I feel like when you do this a little bit, you're making yourself of more value to them. So when they get you, they get to feel like they got you. Yeah. So you're actually giving them esteem. Right. It's not mean. It's actually then they get to be like, I got this thing that's hard to get. Right. I must be pretty great. Right. They got to earn you. Right. And people want to earn. I don't think people want things for free.
1: No, they don't.
0: You're a big deal. Do you know that? I'm just curious. <laughs> You're very important. You're a very big deal. I I, I don't want to know I want. Yeah, I don't think you should. You know what? You probably shouldn't.
1: Just tell me I'm a piece of
2: shit.
0: Yeah. So I ref- so you want me to humiliate you. I knew it. You are a masochist. You are that guy that wants to be humiliated. You are. It slipped out. You, you just revealed yourself. But I think it's good. I mean, you probably shouldn't know the impact you've had on people. It would probably be uh, stressful to know. You should stay... Well, it's a, it's a
1: good thought to have, you know, that you know that when you die, that, you know, it wasn't all for naught, that you had an, an, a positive effect.
0: But I don't think you're going to die. Ever? I think we're going to make it so you don't die. Okay. We're going to download your brain. We're going to upload it. I'm into Dropbox or is, something. is like
1: the Matrix? We something?
0: can't. Yeah, no. Yes, I'm I'm on it. And uh, our lifetime, apparently, we will live to 150, 110. But will the planet still be here? It's not going to be great. Yeah. We'll probably be in a bunker, okay. is my guess. We'll be at the Greenbrier or something. Or
1: it'll be like idiocracy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be great, but your your brain must right. live on.
1: Okay. Well, I'm very flattered, thank yeah. you.
0: when the octopuses are running the world.
1: Well, maybe we could fuse my brain with an octopus.
0: That's what we're going to do! <laughs> Yeah. Like um what was the uh movie? No, there was a Belial. What is the little thing? There was um but, yes, <laughs> I can't believe you. God, of you course, got, you, you guys speak that.
1: a separate secret language or so,
0: something. So yes, there's a movie called You're Basket like Case.
1: And I'm it's, like your dad. He's your brother.
0: And and <laughs> Balil was like a head in a basket. Yeah, he's, he's his deformed twin. From his side, they were like Siamese twins at birth. And
1: it's just a head.
0: Yeah, it's a
1: great movie.
0: It's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's a it's, a, it's like a, a good bad crazy horror movie. When did yeah. it come out? It
2: was in the
1: 70s oh right. obviously <laughs> <With>
0: <laughs> all the best and movies. he carried around his twins head with him right yeah. he's,
3: well, he's got these like hands that stick out
0: <laughs> yeah. he's, just, he's uh, like an octopus like kind of, of. Kind of and we can just get we can make a Belial, Belial of Robert in an octopus <laughs> 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 like the head in Big Trouble in Little China yeah. <laughs> <that Yeah. laughs> floats around
2: wow. so
1: that. okay
0: I hope you'll do this again
1: do what again? This. <laughs> yes.
0: When Sublime comes out.
1: Yes, definitely. Or you can have me on or No, probably wait for this.
0: Yeah, you're like, no, I'm good.
1: I need. I need to recover.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just you need to I need, like, three years I... <laughs> to heal from this trauma. <laughs> um... You can have
1: me on whenever you want. Whenever you're sufficiently bored, or you have no no other guests, or
0: it took ten years. It did to do this. I think more like six or seven. That's fair. You're right. I'm I don't wrong. know for
1: sure. Well, I'm really glad we made it happen. Thank you. I thought for some reason you were avoiding me early on. You know?
0: I might have been. I've been I'm very scared of you. Like, I'm very... Uh, I wanted to do it when I was ready. Okay. And what's so ironic, that word, is that I screwed up because I keep a paper calendar... I write everything down on a piece of paper. And I, I'm i going to show on my calendar. Uh, I put you down for next Wednesday by accident because I do all my scheduling myself. Which And I'm, as I said, dyslexic. And I put you down for next Wednesday. And yesterday, Jackson and I were talking. And he's like, oh, so I'll see you tomorrow. And I was like, wait, no, no, it's next Wednesday. Like, I, I needed... I was that whole week I was going to prepare for you. And then I was like, I guess we're going to just do it tomorrow. Okay. Well, and no, it, it's okay. just I was unprepared today and that was probably the best version of that. Oh, okay. If I good. prepared to for a week it would have been bad. Well,
1: you're not afraid of me anymore. Yeah, I am. Really?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good.
0: Yeah, I know. I'd be yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm ter- I'm terrified of you. I <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't you be? Yes. Yeah, see? I am Put yourself I in my guess. Me, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're terrifying. you're you're basically a homeless person to me. Uh (laughs) Like, you're, like, the smartest, someone that is, like, that smart. It's just, like, it's because I can't beguile you, and I know that I can't manipulate or charm, like, you'll know all my tricks.
1: There's some truth to that. You
0: can't... um, I see right through you. That's it. Like, you can't uh, play the master. You wrote the playbook. I can't fool you with the tricks you taught me
2: yeah
1: there's some truth to that so
0: there's but there's something relaxing about it because i can just yeah i can put all the weapons down you certainly
1: have become more relaxed yeah okay well that's good
0: low blood sugar probably too
1: me or you me i'm starting to me too (laughs) hashtag yeah
0: thank you i always end these very awkwardly
1: well this is as awkward as it can get (laughs) There's something to say about awkward separations.
0: Yeah, I know my separation anxiety is kicking in. Yeah, because I feel like the best thing I can do is create mystery and distance right now. Absence, artful, okay. artful, conscious absence.
1: Okay. Well, go ahead. So
0: that you can project onto me. <laughs> I dare you. You're like, I dare you. <laughs> okay. Um, don't right. ride elephants. Um, that's how I sign off.
1: Don't ride elephants. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's cruel. How about camels? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I don't know that I'm I'm gonna admit I don't know that much about camels, but it is abuse. Yes, of course. It is. Yes.
1: Okay, because I rode a camel once.
0: Yeah, I rode an elephant once. You did. Mm-hmm. Oh. So after every podcast, I say don't ride. You. It's okay to admit you made a mistake if you didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know.
1: I've never ridden an elephant. And
0: I look it. back, and there's a picture of me on an elephant, and I now see the chains around its feet.
1: Oh, that is awful.
0: Yeah. If any time you're on an animal, it's touching a uh, apex predator, holding a lion or tiger, cub or any oh, of that, yeah. that's all abuse. It is. And they all die within six months. And the mother is always killed. Really? Imagine what has to happen to a lion mom for tourists to be holding its baby.
1: Oh, how awful. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then they are not able to get their mother's breast milk because of it. So they uh, de- are not able to develop properly. Wow, so I they, know about this. yeah. So I'll show you this place. I work with lions and tigers and bears, which is like one of the only GFAS accredited, like real sanctuaries. A lot of sanctuaries are abusive. Yeah.
1: The humans are so cruel.
0: They're wild. They're wild.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, uh, yeah. So don't ride elephants. I won't. Um, not, to you. I tell it to them. Oh, okay. um, don't write I'm just I was look, felt corny looking at the camera, so I just looked at you, but I uh, normally say don't ride elephants or touch dolphins. Oh, yeah. Don't go to zoos. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye <laughs>
1: bye. <laughs>